And ooh, hello. There I am. Good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. When, when you bring me up, bring the music down a little bit. Then let it fade out. We're going to nail this. One of these days, we are going to nail this, you and I. So whenever you turn my mic on, also bring that music down just a bit. Then it's cool. Then it's cool. You can let it fade out from there. Hi, good morning. Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. I got this new chair over here, which I appreciate. Uh, John Colson, most worshipful grandmaster here at Pressbox. I was struggling. My back did not like doing the uh, barstool thing. I'm a man of a certain age. And the bar stool was just not working for me uh, for doing the show. So I got this nice new chair, and it's great. I love it. I don't know if I'm in the shot the right way. I don't know if I'm in the spot where I need to be. I don't know if uh, I'm, I'm good. You're looking good. Yeah, right, you're looking, looking good. good. I, uh, I'm a big fan of this chair. I enjoy it a great deal. I know nobody else cares, but it's big news in my life, so we're going to go with that. You know what else is big news in my life? The Orioles are back within a game of a playoff spot, and technically they're they're tied in the loss column. So they control their destiny. I mean, they have controlled their destiny because they have games in front of them with the Rays and with the Blue Jays still. So they actually have controlled their destiny for some time. But they really control their destiny because they're tied in the loss column with the Mariners now for the final playoff spot in the American League after they defeated the Blue Jays last night. Game that got hairy there for a second in the end. Um, I know we've all kind of made it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal that they traded away Jorge Lopez, but for what it's worth, that is one less weapon that they have in late-game situations, and they weren't replacing him with another weapon in late-game situations. As much as we all like CNL Perez and Dylan Tate and um, Felix Bautista, on a night like last night where Jordan Lyles, by his standards, again, by other Orioles starter standards, he had a phenomenal start that went deep into the game. But by Jordan Lyles' standards, he had a short start. So when he was pulled and you had to turn to the bullpen to work you through, you were asking a lot. You were asking that group to go a long way. And Joey Crable ended up being put in the situation in the eighth inning, and he was clearly not ready for prime time. Very clearly not a spot that Joey Crable was ready for. I get it. There was a you know matchup advantage. I understand why they went to Joey Crable given the uh, the lefties that were coming up, but it it does make the back end of your bullpen a little bit weaker. And again, I was not up in arms about trading away Jorge Lopez. I understood the thought process, but there's no doubt it's hurting you. It's hurting you. This the a night like last night was the argument for the people that are just mad about the idea of trading away anything even if it you can make it make bigger baseball sense you can't avoid the fact that it hurts your team in the moment thankfully it didn't hurt them to the extent they lost Felix Batista has looked a bit shaky since moving into the ninth inning role but he's gotten the job done right so I mean if this is shaky Un- understood yeah. but you know it's got to end here right, right. like right. it's it's got to get solidified um, the nice thing about last night, of course, the bat's coming alive. Austin Hayes getting the GCR bump, fresh off his appearance on Glenn Clark Radio. Back in the lineup, going deep. Love that. Lots of home runs last night. Ramon Urias back in the home run uh, category. I got to be honest with you. I'm going to be telling you more about a, a, a new partner of ours here at Glenn Clark Radio called Swagger. And uh, Swagger is is a very fun game that makes you feel, again, it makes you feel like you're betting even though you can't still bet on your phone. Like We've talked about this a lot. You still can't bet on your phone. Still can't bet on your computer in the state of Maryland. But Swagger allows you to play player props 
and make you feel like you're betting. So I played, I bought a $5 ticket on Swagger last night, and it included Adley Rutschman getting uh, two or more total bases. And I don't, I don't know why I'm an idiot. Like, I know that walks don't count as total bases, but for some reason <laughs> last night, I think just because I was, you know, I was caught up in the moment, I was excited about winning. I was so excited. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Two walks, baby. That's two total bases. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> right. They only count hits for total bases. Damn it. Damn it. So it's I was a good not bet, a bit. Though. That's a good bet, though. Typically, most nights. Yeah, a yeah, lot of nights, nights. A lot of nights. Well, I mean, he continued his, his I think he's base. 15 of his, his last 16 games he's had been on base at least twice. Wow. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. The Orioles get the win in the series opener against the Blue Jays. Everybody is getting into fights with one of the Blue Jays broadcasters or part of their broadcast team, I guess. His name is Mike Wilner. He's a columnist and a radio personality in Toronto, and everybody's fighting with him. You can ignore this. Anyone who's trying to be Skip Bayless, just ignore. Just ignore. They offer nothing to society. Stop. I, I, one day down the road, we can do an autopsy of how badly Skip Bayless screwed up sports media because it made everybody else believe that's what they were supposed to do. In fairness, Skip ba- it was it was a type of radio talk show host that begat Skip Bayless once upon a time your average radio talk show host was just as much of a blowhard. The only thing is, I think a lot, most of them actually believed some of the stuff they were saying, and it was less make-believe. It was less scripted. It was, I believe it, so I'll be a blowhard about it. But that concept begat Skip Bayless, which is now begatting everyone who works in this business, everyone who should otherwise be some sort of legitimate journalist or legitimate media entity to feel as though they too should just say nonsensical things whenever they want to say nonsensical things and say oh what you mad are you mad are you mad well look at my engagement numbers it's just nonsense it's just utter nonsense ignore it ignore it orioles won that's what matters orioles are within a game of playoff spot that's what matters not going to be easy tonight it's alec manoa is on the mound for toronto the Orioles counter with Kyle Bradish, and you hope for the best. Yeah, hope for the best in game two of this three-game set uh, coming up tonight in Baltimore. But a lovely evening at the ballpark. Um, I, I do just give me a bear with me for a second because a lot of people are talking about. We we've talked about the disappointment that it feels like at some point the Orioles should be calling up Gunnar Henderson. It feels like at some point they should be calling up Kyle Stowers. And apparently the number is floating around that forty-five days is now the <clears throat> time period with which to avoid losing your rookie status. Um, my buddy Josh Sroka said, uh, rookie eligibility, definition, uh, a player shall be considered a rookie unless he has exceeded any of the following thresholds in a previous season, 130 at-bats or 50 innings pitched in the major leagues or 45 total days on an active major league roster during the championship season. So, as of yesterday, Josh said, the or- this is Josh, of course, from Section 336. Love Josh. He's a friend of ours and have been a supporter for a long time. Last game is October 5th, so that would mean we have 58 days left, assuming no postseason. So, maybe we see the appropriate call-ups in 14 days. I don't know. I, I-, I don't know. I, I will. The-, the point that I'm going to make 
And it, it goes back to what Stan said last week about, hey, words are great. And what Mike Elias said on Wednesday of last week was tremendous. It's lift off from here. We're going to sign players in the offseason. But those words are only as valuable as the actions that follow it. And what I would say about not seeing guys here that we think there, there's, there's a twofold issue here. The first being it has been abundantly clear for some time that Mike Elias will make decisions not based on when the major league team needed something, but based on when he believed that a prospect had graduated to get that opportunity. So it is possible that for certain guys, Michael Elias still says, I don't believe they graduated. That's possible. It's also possible it has something to do with manipulating still what their, the control that you're going to have over them. It's extraordinarily possible that that's still part of the conversation. And that goes back to a fundamental flaw that I spoke about a lot. I know Paul Valley and I talked about it a lot, and Paul Valley now talks about it a lot on Twitter, which is if a player is so good that you're worried about how much control you have over them, you should have bought out their arbitration years anyway. If what you're worried about with a Gunnar Henderson or a Kyle Stowers is they're going to be so good that you need that extra year of control, then you should have been buying out those arbitration years to keep them beyond the time period that you have them under control. And if you're still playing these games, when a major league team is in a playoff race and could use a little bit of assistance, and you're still considering how much control you have over them, the message that I worry that it sends to your fan base is that you're not going to change. Is that you're not going to be the team that buys out arbitration years that you're not going to be the team that aggressively makes sure you keep your assets longer than when you would have them based on their rookie contract. That's the concern here. And I'm projecting a little bit because, for example, I don't know that it's the reason that Gunnar Henderson isn't here. Their opinion might be, we had a plan for Gunnar Henderson, and no matter what's going on at the major league level, we are going to stick to the plan with Gunnar Henderson. That might be the opinion that Mike Elias holds. But it is reasonable to think that control has something to do with it. It's reasonable to think that it might have something to do with it. And if it does, that's a bigger problem because the Orioles doing things the right way and building a sustainable winner have to be the organization that is willing to buy out arbitration years to keep their players around. They must become that team. They cannot be the team. I still get this. I wrote a, a, a lovely column about watching Adley Rutschman. Um, I said it's. I'm like I'm giving myself credit. Boy, what a great column that was. It was lovely. Though. Thank you, Griffin. I appreciate that. I wrote this column, and and it was just sort of effusive towards Adley Rutschman and and how great it's been to watch him become the superstar we were told he was going to be right in front of our eyes. And it got shared out on Facebook, and the first com- the first comment back, because I'm telling you, as many of you that want to believe that everybody should be on board, m- these fans still exist. The first comment back, he'll be a Yankee in six years. And I get it. I mean, I do. I understand. I can't be mad at who. I don't even remember who it was. But I can't be mad at him. 
I can't be angry. That's what they're saying. Because that's the history of the Orioles. The history of the Orioles suggests that's what they're going to do. They're either going to let him walk for nothing, or they're going to get to a point they're just going to trade him to. I understand why that person feels that way. I want to believe that's not going to be the case. But that requires me to see examples of the Orioles saying, no, that's not who we are anymore, or it's not who we're going to be. We're going to be a healthy, sustainable franchise. To do that, you've got to show that you don't need to manipulate control over a player because you know damn well that if they're that good, you can buy them out of their arbitration years. So... It is concerning. I'm not going to say frustrating because I don't know that's the reason yet. Until I know with certainty that that's the reason. Until the math is done that says, boy, they really did call up Gunnar Henderson literally the day by which they could protect another year of team control. Until I see something like that, I can't say it with certainty. But it is concerning Because in getting people to get on board, you've got to show. You've got to show you're going to do these things. That's how you create a healthy, sustainable franchise moving forward. If you're just going to be the team that consistently doesn't spend money, you can have neat moments. You can have fun stories, but you cannot create a healthy, sustainable franchise. No one's saying you've got to go out and spend $300 million on every player that comes up. Clearly, they're miserable in Detroit about the money that they spent on Javier Baez. I'm on board with doing what you did to lay the foundation and get your own talent within the system. Drafting and developing should always be the priority for every franchise throughout baseball. But keeping that talent has to be a part of that equation. And that doesn't mean giving $400 million to 32-year-old players. But keeping them around, using the system as it's set up to benefit you. The arbitration system benefits the team because it allows them to go back and negotiate with players and say, well, you know, you're going to make a little bit of money, but you can make more. And it might not even be their real market value should they be available on the free, uh, the free market. But they can't get on the free market because of the control you have over them. So negotiating with them when they have no leverage is the best possible thing you can do. The system is set up to benefit the teams. Seems pretty simple. Take advantage of it. And show us that you're going to take advantage of it. Let us know this is who you're going to be. And continuing to try to manipulate control, that's, it does the exact opposite. does the exact opposite of making us feel that comfortable. And also, um, I'm glad Rita brought this up. Rita and I had a a conversation on the radio show on Sunday about Rugnet Odor. I get there's been a a loud frustration about Rugnet Odor. Um... I I am not with your opinion about Rugnet Odor when you say he shouldn't be on the team. 
it is abundantly clear, and if you listen to Austin Hayes talking about him yesterday, you heard it again. It is abundantly clear that whatever he's doing on the field, Rugnet Odor is playing a role within this clubhouse that is significant. Now, that doesn't mean he should be extended. It doesn't mean that he should be part of the plans long term. It means that for this team, Rugnet Odor is playing a role as a veteran, as a leader, as someone who matters for this group. So, should he be playing every day? Nope. But is there a spot on this roster that I think he should hold? Yes. I think the value of that cannot be completely written off. If you care about the results. If you care about whether or not the team gets into the playoffs. If you don't care about that. And the argument is the Orioles have kind of said they don't. But if you're a fan who doesn't care because it's not about this season, it's about future seasons, then I can certainly understand why you'd say, well, the hell with Rudinato Odor. Any at-bat he gets is an at-bat someone else could be getting for building towards the future. But it is abundantly clear in watching this team that they take cues from Rugnet Odor, that he has value in that way. That doesn't mean I think he should be back next year. I think they should try to find somebody else that can be that guy. And we talked to Austin Hayes about kind of whether he was ready to move into that leadership role for Trey Mancini. He was like, nah, dude. Uh, he's up on all that. And he's, at this point, kind of the elder statesman of the guys that have been here. Rugnet Odor is an elder statesman within baseball, and that matters. Um, one of the people that responded to what Rita said, uh, the point is well taken. Does, should Brett Phillips be on this team? No. No, there is no justification for Brett Phillips being on this roster at all. But Rugnet Odor, I get it. If you've watched this team, if you've seen how these players respond to him and how they react, you should probably understand a little bit more as to why it wouldn't make sense to DFA him. It wouldn't make sense to get rid of him. Again, don't see why it is that he needs to be in the lineup every day. He doesn't bring anything. as either an offensive or a defensive player. Although, to be fair, it's not... Labeling a butcher would be incorrect. He's not a high-level defensive player, but he is a helpful piece. He can play the position. He's capable of playing it. That alone, not enough to be in the lineup every day, or even necessarily frequently. But I understand why it is that he's got a spot on the team. It's because of what he does for everyone else in the clubhouse, and that matters. Brian Powell, uh, one, uh, I will get in touch with you about donations, too. Trust me, I'm going to talk about Serena Williams. I would love if this show could just be Serena Williams all day, but that's not reality. We do a show about Baltimore sports. I will get to Serena Williams uh, coming up here in a bit. Jim Miller is going to join us in a second. Former NFL quarterback, now, of course, with the Sirius XM NFL radio. He's coming to Baltimore today to uh, do their training camp preview from Ravens camp. Later on in the show, we are going to catch up with Ryan Ripken. Of course, the son of one Cal Ripken. You've heard of him. And uh, Ryan just announced his own retirement from his pro baseball career. As he had been grinding, trying to make his way through, he decided that uh, he was going to move on and likely make a transition. You know, He started launching social media. I think he's got some interest in media. We're going to talk to Ryan Ripken about all of that. Of course, uh, Gilman's own Ryan Ripken. 
And uh, also this morning, Jason Reed from ESPN and Anscape. He has a new book out. It's called The Rise of the Black Quarterback. Um, Includes a chapter about Lamar Jackson. Of course, makes sense. Can't be surprised by that. Jason Reed will check in with us. And it's Tuesday. That means coming up at 11.40 a.m., we will bring you Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets. Every Tuesday at 11.40 is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. We do Simply the Bets Tuesdays at 11.40. Do Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40. Again, it's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. We'll have Simply the Bets for you coming up at 11.40 this morning. So that's all on the way. Should we take a break? Okay. Well, you tell me. You're the producer of the show. Yes, we'll take a break. Jim Miller scheduled to join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and Facebook facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at pressbox sports Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me, right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. 
All right, back in here on GCR. It is a Tuesday edition of the program. It's also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, it's an interesting thought from... Chris, I honestly believe, believe I honestly believe Orioles players will be more upset over an Odor DFA than they were over Mancini being traded. I mean, I don't I don't know. I have no basis for comparison on those two things. I couldn't possibly tell you which one would have them more up in arms. But I get it. I, I get it, and that's why I'm saying I don't the argument that you make, at least a Mancini trade, you could say is probably good for the organization, whereas a DFA of Odor, you're just doing for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we had you for, we, this is Glenn Clark later. I, I am, um, yeah, 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 different show. all good. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. All good. Yeah. I think that there would be a, I think that there would be a, it would cause unnecessarily problems. I think that part is correct. I think that part is true. All right, um, joining us now here on GCR before he heads out to Ravens camp this afternoon where they will be for their training camp tour on Sirius XM's NFL radio. He is former NFL quarterback and a longtime friend of ours, Mr. Jim Miller with us on GCR. Jim, it's Glenn and Griffin. Welcome to Baltimore, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. You bet, Glenn. Griffin, good to be with you guys. Everything is, uh, it's great to chat with you. I, I, th- you know, everything that's so unique about going to Ravens camp, I imagine, like, the storylines for you guys are related to just having the players back, I guess with the exception of rookie Tyler Linderbaum, who won't be out there. But it's such a different feel for this team going into this year because they actually have their players on the field, and if they can stay relatively healthy, I would think the Ravens would be very dangerous this season. Yeah, I would think so too. I thought they, you know, they played it all the way to the end last year, and they were on their probably their fourth and fifth stringers when it was all said and done. And you know, they got a new defensive coordinator, uh, Mike McDonald, and I think they'll be fine there since he's been there before, and they understand what they want to do uh, defensively. But yeah, the frontier starters are, are big time players. You know, I, I picked this team to uh, to go to the Super Bowl a year ago. I thought they were that strong of a football team, and then the the injury bug started to hit this football team. So I, I guess let's go back to one thing. It looks like this team wants to replicate what they did in 2019 and being dominant on the ground and run, 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 run. They've, they've signed about 100 running backs this offseason. Um, they stuck it out with Greg Roman. They did not look to upgrade at all at wide receiver, clearly. It, it appears as though they want to go back to that success. I guess it's a twofold question. One is it possible to replicate what they did in 2019? And can that be done to move past, to break through, and, and, and compete to win a Super Bowl at this point in the NFL, Jim? Yeah, I think it can. You know, there were six overall in the NFL last year offensively, and that's with, uh, you know, essentially their backup quarterback in there in a, a makeshift offensive line, and like you said, a de- de- decimated running back uh, position. I do agree with you. I do think they'll go back to 12 and in 13 personnel, just looking at their draft, when you draft Charlie Kolar, I really like him out of Iowa State and likely out of Coastal Carolina, sneaky good in the past game. Then you got great blockers like Nick Boyle and 
Andrews, his career speaks for itself. So, yeah, I do think, you know, Lamar did win the MVP with that style of football, and I think they're going to go back to it uh, and, you know, hopefully be better settled defensively where they can make some stops. That was very unraven-like defensively when you finish 25th in the NFL in total defense. We'll get back to that in a second, Jim. If they do that, are you at all worried? I mentioned they didn't really look to upgrade the wide receiver position. They have very little experience. They have very little depth at wide receiver. And you mentioned Charlie Kolar, Isaiah Likely, the tight ends they brought in, who can be used a little bit more out wide. But there's still very little there. Are you at all concerned about their lack of depth and experience at wide receiver, even if – we think they're going to try to run the ball more. No, I, I think they still have speed there. You know, just because Hollywood Brown's gone, they still got speed on the outside uh, from what I see. And it's really about the play-action game, if anything. I mean, Lamar, even though those are young receivers, if the run game's working, I think, the way they expect it to work, you know, you just get a lot more – you get bigger windows when you, have, when you run the ball that effectively. You know, there's just – a there's bigger windows to throw to. Things will clear up uh, for Lamar Jackson. And, of course, he's got to be better. You know, he's got to be a better pocket passer. You know, last year they were really espousing, now oh, we need, you know, more explosive plays, which was true. They were they, – going into last year, they were not a very explosive passing team. They were a little better last year, but that's got to improve. And it really it comes off of the play-action passes where you get your explosive plays – and I would think the windows will be bigger where maybe Lamar will have some opportunities for that. Jim Miller is with us here on GCR tonight, 5-7. to seven, The training camp tour brings he and Pat Kerwin to Baltimore, Sirius XM's NFL radio. Um, Jim, let's have the Lamar conversation, right? You referenced needing to be better. The big thing that jumps off the page was what happened when everybody went cover zero last year was was that the type of thing that was going to be exposed because the Ravens couldn't run the ball and if they can you know run the ball teams can't just do that they can't just try to replicate what they did how much of it was on Lamar that needs to improve clearly you know after playing brilliantly for the first you know stretch of the season those last four games we saw before before he got hurt probably the worst that he's played in the NFL yeah you know the you know I think he's definitely has to play smarter you know he's got to protect his body a little more at time you know i did it kind of reminds me when remember the off the field thing when he got in trouble for the the jet ski incident you know i i think he's just got to be smarter at taking care of his body whether it's sliding whether it's getting out of bounds you know i don't think anybody questions his toughness you know with the amount of carries that he has but i think he's just got to be coached a little bit more to do the do the right thing especially going into a contract here uh for him but, yeah, I think uh, overall, offensively, he's got to get more polished in his pass game. I think they're working on that. But that's just the style of offense right now. This is what they chose to do. This is the type of offense where he was the league MVP, and he thrived in it. And he's still a young quarterback. You know, at some point in his NFL career, he is going to start to slow down. And I think that's when quarterbacks really start to get better uh, pocket habits uh, from that standpoint. But just learning the game getting better uh, mechanics, footwork. Those are all things that, that he can work on, and I think he is. I, I do think Lamar loves football. I really do, and, is, and I think his teammates love and respect him uh, as well for his approach, and they'll play for him. But this is their style of offense right now, and it, I think it will expand 
and continue to expand as his career moves along. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, Jim, to me, the interesting part is that, like, you know, the, the, Lamar gets criticized for how much he runs, whereas I, I, it seemed like at times last year the biggest problem was his reluctance to run. Like, that, you know, you allude to Lamar, um, for the most part in his career, has been unbelievably good, part of which is because he's so bloody elusive. Like, it's, it's impossible yeah. to track him down from behind. For overwhelmingly, he's avoided the hits downfield. Overwhelmingly, he, and again, as we have the data that, you know, running quarterbacks aren't actually at more risk than, than passing quarterbacks are because, as we saw, when Lamar got hurt, he was in the pocket. It's, it's when you don't know that it's coming that those hits come. It's, it's odd to me yeah. because it seemed like he has almost been impacted by the outside noise and has said, well, I don't want to run the ball as much because people think it limits me as a quarterback where there were many times a year ago where I'm, I'm watching plays unfold and saying, dude, go! You're Lamar Jackson! Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's just that. I agree with everything you said there, but I don't think it's just that. I mean, Baltimore was 31st in the league at giving up sacks. Right. Oh, yes. so it was a those, mess. Yep. Those, those, are, those are still hits on Lamar Jackson, yep. and they do add up o- over time. And so that's what I mean, just play smarter. Granted, he's an elusive guy, and weigh the risks or rewards, when to take off, or how about just throwing the ball away? You know, just throw it away, live to play another down, don't take that hit. You know, I thought uh, Josh Allen has gotten a lot better at that. Josh, I thought, was much like Lamar at times when he runs, he is careless with his body. You know, and uh, you look at the – and Josh is a bigger guy. You know, but look at bigger quarterbacks that have just got beaten down. Andrew Luck is 250 pounds. He's retired from football. Cam Newton is 250 pounds. He's not even signed with anybody yet because he's so banged up. So, you know, those things matter, and I I just think he can be smarter from that standpoint. Don't take the sacks. He's as elusive as he is. Sometimes just throw the ball away, live to play another down. And, again, I think that's, that's growth as a quarterback. You know, he can't be Superman every single play where he's just going to, you know, go from his suit and Clark Kent into Superman and make a play when maybe a play's not there to be made, quite frankly. I, I, I get it. I get it. Obviously, you can't you can't force it. You can't try to do too much. Uh, I, Jim, just to, to move on from Lamar conversation, are you at – the outside noise, of course, is related to Lamar's contract, right? It's all anybody, you know, yeah. in the world wants to talk about. It's this overwhelming thing. Does that impact an organization, a franchise at all? Like, is there any day-to-day impact as far as getting ready for a game, getting ready for a season, doing things in practice that is even remotely impacted by the fact that this this thing hangs over the team as a whole? Yeah, well, I, th- I think there are certain players. Well, look what's going on in Chicago with Roquan Smith. It can be a problem for some players. Roquan basically saying, trade me today, because we can't get this done. We've been talking for a long time. He's kind of frustrated now. So, yeah, it, it's impacting that football team. He's going to be their starting weak side backer. But in Baltimore, it doesn't, at least from the organizational standpoint and from Lamar's camp, there hasn't been any animosity. There, there hasn't been any back and forth like what between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyler, was his, his representation, remember, they basically – proposed a contract well it doesn't really go that way it's the team that proposes it to you you know so they got to present it you don't present it to them they'll present it to you and then you kind of go from there but that doesn't seem to be the situation here in Baltimore I'm not saying uh, Lamar Jackson has a laissez-faire attitude uh, about it but he truly 
feels, or at least to me, he's at peace. He's at peace almost betting on himself, much like Joe Flacco, that if we get it done now, great. If we get it done at the end of the year, it's only going to be more. Of course, he's at risk of injury, which is the big bugaboo that why he should be motivated for this contract. And then, of course, you got the Deshaun Watson impact on mm-hmm. it. I mean, Steve, Steve Bashotti was clearly, and a lot of owners were clearly upset about yeah, the deal for Deshaun Watson. Right. Yeah, because, uh, you know, that it's never been done before, and it affects their situations tremendously. Um, and so we'll see what the number they, they come in at. They've got it done for Kyler. I think Baltimore is going to do the right thing uh, for Lamar, too, because they know how special of a player he is. Uh, for this organization so but again it's really up to Lamar I'm sure there's something on the table and that Lamar has to agree to or they're going to continue to work towards and he should be motivated to do that prior to the season but you know you just don't get that sense of urgency from him it seems like he truly would bet on himself and he's fine playing the way things currently are and to the point about the injury everybody brings up hey Dak Prescott still got paid despite being you know I that we have examples yeah. of that. The, the, the Alex Smith injury is so rare. The thing that like you know truly alters and ends your career is so rare yeah. that it's it's not a great risk. The thing that jumps out to yeah. me, Jim, is I just I don't really understand why Lamar's signing up to play for twenty three million dollars this well, year. Like that's not market value. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing: is I I don't think Baltimore's panicking either. Right. You know, because Baltimore's saying, hey, we're not going to be pressured into doing this Lamar or this Deshaun Watson deal. They don't feel any pressure because they've got. They've got two franchise tags that they can wait to slap on. They're fine with that. So instead of paying 30, uh, $40 million, they'd be playing under market. They'd be paying about $30 million. So I, I, I don't think from Baltimore there, there's, there's no sense of urgency for them because they, they want to see more from him. You know, like you said, they want to see a more consistent passer. They want to see a quarterback that lines up for, for 17 games. He needs to do more uh, from their standpoint. And you want to know what? I think Steve Bashotti puts his money where his mouth is because when he did that for Flacco, he said, I will make Joe Flacco the highest-paid quarterback in the league. And I think if Lamar does that, he'll be paid just like uh, Joe Flacco, and he will be rewarded uh, for a proven deal. Jim, Jim, before I let you go, you brought up the defense. Let's go back to that side of the ball if, uh, if we can. The Ravens have, in their recent history, prioritized the secondary and decided to build that way in. And we saw once again them go safety with their first pick in the draft this year and Kyle Hamilton. The question has been yep. about edge rush and getting after quarterbacks post Terrell Suggs because you know the, the the thought was that Wink Martindale could scheme um, that type of pressure. It's not Wink Martindale anymore. And you know I think a lot of people are excited about David Ajabo, but we know he's definitely not going to be there at least at the start of the season. Um, we saw yeah. a couple of signs from Adafi Owe last year that maybe he could become that guy. How concerned would you be about edge rush as a whole with the Ravens, particularly you know not having the scheme thoughts that Wink Martindale did in order to get that pressure home? Yeah, I do think uh, Mike McDonald, I mean, they've always been a, a big blitz zero team, even when Dean Pease was here as the D.C. I, I just think there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blitz zero. It's always come from that. And I think, you know, Coach Martindale kind of got caught in that a little bit. You just you didn't have the horses to do it last year when you're down to your fourth and, and fifth stringers, uh, essentially, is, is how I viewed it. You know, and I think they, they will. And they'll get healthier as the year goes on. I think the young kid from Michigan is going to be a really good player when it's all said and done. 
Um, you've got the veterans there. They, they are trying to get younger. But I think Mike McDonald, when you looked at him even last year at, at Michigan, he, he deals in exotics as well, but it's just not all blitz zero. You know, he'll do some blitz zones, things like that, where you've got safety valves that are in place that are in position to, to make tackles. Um, they're still, to me, they're, they're, you know, they play their Raven style of football. They're going to be hard nosed. I don't think that's going anywhere uh, from Coach McDonald. He's experienced it as a coach there previously, and he kind of knows the standard of what it is to be a Baltimore Raven. So I even like late signings that they made in the back end of the secondary when you sign a guy like Kyle Fuller. Cause I, I played or uh, I covered the bears Yeah, and that Kyle, Kyle Fuller is, is a really good player. He, he had a, a tie, he got benched last year in Denver cause he was kind of out there doing his own thing, which can't happen, but he's a solid player in a, in a good corner. And I think the depth is much better served this year. For the Baltimore Ravens. He is Jim Miller. Uh, Jim, what can everybody expect uh, coming up at 5 o'clock today on Sirius XM NFL Radio? Well, we're going to hopefully see a, a padded practice. I don't like doing these training camps when you can't see them in pads. It's hard to, to schedule a day. Like yesterday, we didn't get to see the Redskins in pads, but hopefully today that'll be the case for the Ravens. Yeah, certainly I'm going to be studying uh, Lamar. We'll get to talk to Lamar. I want to know what he specifically has worked on mechanically here this offseason in order to prove, uh, improve himself. Uh, I'm going to be checking out the young players. Not that these, this team needs a lot of young players to play. Certainly Linderbaum, who you mentioned, he would have been the starting center. We'll have to see where it yeah. goes with this foot injury. But that's, you know, he's really the, the lone rookie that's going to get significant playing time along with Kyle Hamilton, who will be rolled in there. But they won't really have to count on uh, their rookie players. This is a veteran team, and and they feel that they're going to make a push. And I think it's the second toughest division in football. After the AFC West, I think the AFC North is really going to be a bloodbath. I really do. These teams are going to get after each other, and they're all well-built. Everybody's kind of counting out Pittsburgh. I'm telling you, on the camp tour, they're the only team, the only team that goes totally live when they have pads, meaning Interesting. from snap, snap to tackle, because they believe in tackling. They believe their corners – need more work, and that's why some of the corner play around the NFL has really been lacking in terms of the tackling ability because nobody does it in camp anymore. Well, the Steelers are the only Mm. one. They Mm. do it. They'll be ready to play. Very interesting. At Jim Miller underscore NFL, how you follow him on Twitter. Jim Miller, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Enjoy this quick stop here in Baltimore today. Thank you for doing this. All right, guys. Always good to be with you. Jim Miller, uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll just keep rolling along. Uh, Griffin, go ahead and give Jason Reed a call. And uh, programming note, uh, Ryan Ripkin's going to join us a little bit later on in the 11 a.m. hour, so we'll move some things around today. As, as things go, that's the way uh, when we do live shows, these things happen, man. We, um, we uh, What's Bob Haney always say? Improvise and adapt. That's the way that uh, things work, and so we will continue to do that here this morning. All right, today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. It is the place to be for football season, getting your bets in on those 61 self-service kiosks, and bet pads are coming, so you won't even have to get off your duff. You'll be able to get all your bets in right there at your seat, at your table, whether it's Ravens games, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night, whenever it is, you want to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now to reserve your spot. 
The book is available right now. It's called The Rise of the Black Quarterback, um, and it's got an entire chapter dedicated to Lamar Jackson. It is great to catch up with Jason Reed from ESPN, who joins us right now here on GCR. Jason, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you again, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Oh, absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me. Jason, you and I talked a little while back, and it was interesting because you made a point that I hadn't thought about. For, for everything that Lamar Jackson had to deal with, it wasn't the same thing that a Cam Newton had to deal with in the draft process. It wasn't the same thing that Michael Vick had to deal with. In in doing this, can can you put your finger on why? Because you've you know in recent weeks, here it is right back the anonymous defensive coordinator running his mouth, things like that. We still see all of this absurd criticism of Lamar Jackson. Can you fathom why it has been even more unique? Not to say that, uh, as you de- yeah, clearly, as you point out in the book, plenty of black quarterbacks have been through this. But what has made it so unique with Lamar Jackson? Well, you know, Cam was such a freak of nature. Um, you know, look, Lamar is an incredible athlete, the greatest dual threat quarterback, I think, from a from a running and speed standpoint. I mean, I know we we all think of Michael Vick, and obviously, for you know, for good reason, but. Cam was a freak of nature, okay? And when you look at what Cam, Cam's size and the things that Cam and the thing that, that Cam could do, you know, Lamar, when we, when we think of Lamar, we think of the fact that, okay, yeah, the, the Heisman Trophy coming out of Louisville, finished, you know, high the, the next year, you know, as, as the year that he didn't win it. But he, he wasn't just this, this freak of nature like Cam was where, okay, you, you can see Cam playing in the pocket and, and, and taking hits, even though Cam obviously is a great or dual threat quarterback as well. I just think the things that surrounded Lamar, you know, questions about his accuracy, um, questions about the way Louisville played as opposed to, you know, how what, you, what they could project Cam would be able to do. So, I, I mean, you look at it, they were just such different players. Like, no one was talking about turning Cam into a running back. Okay. I mean, at anything, Cam's size, you probably would have to turn him into a tight end if, if that was the discussion that was going to be had. So I, I just think that the narrative around Lamar was so different because Lamar is so different. And, and I think the accuracy thing, you know, people talked about that going into the, going into the draft. Um, that was one of the things that Bill Polian talked about when he made the comments about Lamar changing positions was that he didn't have the accuracy. So, you know, there's... Just so much around Lamar since, since the beginning has just been so different than anyone else. Is it, Jason, is it simply, I, I think I've told you this before, I, you know, a, a, a well-meaning white person, I like to hope, I, I do admittedly try to hope that not everything is just racism, right? Like, I know better, but I, you know, it's like I want to believe that we are better as a society. When When you see the comments from this defensive coordinator in the athletic a couple weeks ago. Is there any other way to explain? I mean, like all of the things that are being brought up have been disproven time and time again by Lamar Jackson at the NFL. There is nothing left to hang on to. There's valid criticism of Lamar. You can say, hey, he didn't play well against the Blitz for four games last season. But the can't throw, the Ravens can't win if he has to throw, all of that crap has been so thoroughly disproven it would be like saying Justin Tucker can't kick but yet here we are and it still comes out is it just racism is there something else that 
Like, it's just impossible for people to let go of opinions that they held. Like, how do we explain something like that? Well, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, you know, since I've been talking about the book, that, like, there has never been a, t- a better time to be a black quarterback in the NFL. These guys have the biggest contracts. I mean, not Lamar, obviously. He's still waiting to get his. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, has, Kyler Murray has the biggest guarantees ever. These guys are the face of franchise franchises. These guys have once unfa- you know, power that was once unfathomable, unfathomable to believe that these guys could have, these guys meaning these elite black passers. But, you know, as we saw with the athletic, there's this coded language. And, look, clearly there's been immense progress made. You can't argue otherwise. But progress is not perfection, and there is coded language still out there, and, and a lot of it revolves around Lamar. And, you know, the, we talked about the athletic quote. Um, part of that quote was he could win 12 MVPs and he wouldn't be a Tier 1 quarterback. What is that? Well, that's ridiculous. Like, what? I mean, if he wins 12 MVPs, right? I mean, He's the greatest quarterback of all time at that point. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, so, so, you know, but again, much of this is because of the way the Ravens play. You know, they, as you know, I don't have to tell you this, they tore down that offense, the stuff that they ran primarily when they you know, won a Super Bowl with Flacco, and Flacco was the guy, and they built it around Lamar. And they don't play like any other team, and so there are going to be people moving forward until Lamar wins a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I really feel this way. Unless or until or unless Lamar wins a Super Bowl, no matter what the metrics say about how he, you know, how he passes under pressure, no matter what he did in week five last year against the Indianapolis Colts, it's not going to matter to a very big of the NFL. Lamar is going to have to win a Super Bowl. And you know what? Even if he does, there's still going to be those people who say, yeah, but. Right. Right. Of course. Of course. Uh, the Rise of the Black Quarterback is available right now. Uh, we're going to link it up on our Twitter, at Glenn Clark Radio. Jason Reed from ESPN is with us here on GCR. Jason, the other thing that, that jumps out at me, and I know that the book is about way more than Lamar, and I'm, I promise I'm going to get to that in one second. But as you oh, know, hey, hey, listen, 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 yeah. listen no, wait, 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 hold on. I can, talk, I can talk about Lamar Jackson all day long. I know. I, I know. And, and you know he dominates everything we do in this city. Like, it's just the, the, the city revolves around Lamar Jackson at the, and the Orioles because they're good at the moment, but it really revolves around Lamar Jackson. The thing that it almost concerns me, and I don't know this, but I have reason – to think that it's true. I, and I, I, I know I'm using kind of coded language. I just I don't want to give up any sources, anything like that. Um, is that I, it's gotten to a point where I think Lamar believes that it's a problem that he runs as much as he's run um, and has purposely tried to run less despite the fact that we know he's the greatest to have ever done it at the quarterback position despite the fact that we know because we have overwhelming data that running quarterbacks are not at any greater risk of getting hurt than pocket quarterbacks are. And in fact, when Lamar Jackson got hurt, it was when he was in the pocket and not when he was downfield and using his speed. And it seems like the outside noise has almost impacted him. And he said, well, no, I can't do that anymore. I need to show everybody how great of a thrower I am and that I can throw the ball 40 times a game and things like that. And it's it's wild to me because it almost feels like it's neutering him a little bit. Like you, dude, you have a skill set no one else has ever had, um, and I, I, it's concerning. And maybe I'm crazy, but it's concerning to me that the the the, the crap, the the stuff that's constantly spewed about Lamar might literally have an impact on the player himself. Well, I mean, look, I can't get in Lamar's head 
Um, but I will say this, for Lamar to be the player he is, he needs to play the way he plays. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, that, that sounds very simple, and, and, and some people might be listening to this and thinking, well, that's an oversimplification. Well, no, but I mean, it's just a fact. Like, you know, L- Lamar can't play like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can't play like Lamar. Dak Prescott can't play like Lamar. Lamar can't play like the Dak Prescott. These guys have to do what they do that enables them to be the elite players that they are. I would hope that this is not something going through Lamar's head. I would hope that Lamar is not, you know, overthinking this to please other people because you can't succeed like that. I, I, I do believe that there, there will always be people, you know, as we're talking through this, there will always be people who look at Lamar and will have a feeling about the traditional way to play quarterback and not be accepting of what the Ravens do. I believe the Ravens are 37 and 12 with him under center. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, he, ha- he has, he has a league MVP award, only the second quarterback uh, other than, you know, Tom Brady being the other to win it unanimously. I mean, we can have a lot of conversations about where Lamar is in terms of the drop back game, but we can't have a conversation that this guy isn't effective. And yes, he does it differently, but differently does not necessarily mean bad. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, maybe better. Maybe it's better if you have a player who can both be a really dynamic thrower of the football and also a unique weapon in running the ball. Maybe it's better than what other quarterbacks have looked like in the past. All right, I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Uh, Jason Reed, the book. Uh, take me through. We, we know you did the Year of the Black Quarterback series uh, a couple years ago. Uh, take me through the concept for the book, telling everyone's individual stories, why it was something that mattered so much to you. Well, I, I, I mean, for me, I, I, I've always been interested in history, and you have this league that, that 1920 was just this, you know, this thing that wasn't in any way the national sport that it is now. It wasn't in any way the 800-pound gorilla that it is now. And how did, for me, what I found interesting was, how did black quarterbacks, the most marginalized group in the history of professional sports, most powerful and successful league, how did these guys go from being what they were to now this group that, you know, has the biggest contracts, is at the top of the game, is, is celebrated by fans? So I really, wanted to, I really wanted to take a look at how did this journey, which is now more than 100 years in the making, how did this journey take place? Who were the, who were the key people who helped to move the ball along? And, and really understanding, like, like, how could this even happen? I mean, like, what, like you have this, these players spelled it at the most important position. So it, was, it really was patient because, look, I, I obviously I entered into this book having somewhat of an understanding about the, the issues that I wanted to discuss. I approached it like, look, I, let, me, let me look at this like I know nothing about what has happened with this situation. Hmm. And, uh, you know, 70, 70 to 75 interviews and about 88,000 words later, we have our rise of the black quarterback, what it means for America. At Jay Reed, ESPN on Twitter is how you follow him. Pick up Rise of the Black Quarterback right now. We've linked it up on our Twitter, at Glenn Clark Radio. Jason, uh, I've really enjoyed the book. Thank you for taking the time for us. I promise next time we talk, it won't just be about me screaming about people complaining about Lamar Jackson, all right? No, don't, don't apologize for talking about Lamar Jackson. It's one of the 
main storylines in the NFL this season, what's going to happen with this contract situation. No I can always talk about Lamar Jackson. Well, we'll do it again then for sure. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Anytime. Jason Reed joining us here on GCR. Uh, Rise of the Black Quarterback available right now. I am. It's so befuddling. I'll never, I'll just never, I, I will never be able to just deal with it. I get it. I tell you to ignore as much of it as you possibly can, but it still makes no sense. And the reason why it bothers me is because genuinely in watching him play, and I have run this by people who would know, and it's why I don't, I have run this by, hey, does it seem like Lamar is trying to run a little bit less himself, like he's purposely, and the people whose opinions I respect and who would have a feel for this have not shot that down. Like, it really has felt like he has been impacted by all of the outside crap. Well, I want to prove that I'm, I'm, I can be what they, no, 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 no. Stop that. Stop worrying about what quarterbacks are supposed to look like or what you're used to. Be the most dynamic weapon the NFL has ever seen. Be that guy. Revolutionize the way the quarterback is played. Which isn't to say that there'll be more Lamar Jacksons because I, I think it's totally possible he's just that, he has that unique of a skill set. Who cares? Who cares? And that's why it concerns me. That's why it bothers me is because we I, we have to rewrite these narratives. There is nothing wrong with a quarterback running as much as Lamar Jackson does. It's the opposite of that. What would be wrong would be for Lamar Jackson to run less. It would be insane. Imagine telling Aaron Judge, you need to be more of a singles hitter. We can't do this. This thing where all you do is ever hit home runs. We got to stop that. You got to be a singles hitter. Bull ass. Or imagine, you know, going the opposite way, telling Tony Gwynn, hey, man, know you're really good at, at, at getting hits and getting on base, but until you prove you can be a 40 home run guy, you're just not, you're not that great. Sorry. You're just not what we need. Bonkers. We are so screwed up in how we view the quarterback position that we are incapable of understanding what makes Lamar Jackson so great. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. I got a bunch of stuff. I got a, I got a hit list of topics that I wanted to get to today. So we're going to go rapid fire. Think of a, a sounder that you can do. You know, like just come up with the, just think of something. Okay. Think of something. You're going to do the sounder. Uh, oh, uh, Kyle used to spin the wheel. That used to be when we would have a segment like this. Uh, okay. He used to spin the wheel, right? With, like, with, his, with his, he'd make the noise. He would make the noise. Okay. To, 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 like what, what it would sound like if we spun a wheel and okay. then the topic came up, right? So we're going to spin the wheel when we come back in. I want you, I want you to, to think about do, 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 you know, what it would sound like to have a, a spinning wheel, like if it was The Price is Right or something. All right. All right? So we're going to do that when we come back in. Lots of things that I want to get to. Um, related to the Ravens, related to, I mentioned Serena Williams earlier, all of those things. I want to get to all of them. Um, and Ryan Ripken going to join us as well. All that coming up. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. 
Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Kronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox. We are in the final week for you to pick up the Salute the Coaches issue of PressBox. It's available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com, but this is it, your last chance before it's gone, daddy gone, making way for a football preview issue, which will hit newsstands next week featuring Ravens tight end Mark Andrews on the cover and a great cover story from Bo Smolka, as well as a lot of college football preview content in there. That'll be available next week. So this is your final chance to get the Salute to Coaches issue with John Harbaugh on the cover and eight other uh, pro college high school coaches from the area all recognized inside. All right, uh, Griffin, it's time to spin the wheel. Are you ready? Yes. You're going to give it a No, no, no. You you spin spin the wheel. Okay, ready? You spin the wheel. Yep. Tick 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 tick. I want I want that's 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 see I yeah I want I want more noise sounds. I want more like like stuff like that. Okay. Then then words. All right. All right. All right. Ready. Uh huh. All right. Well, we land on. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, first thing we landed on is Justin Tucker getting a contract extension. Let's go. I. What do you want me to say? 
okay. We think the Ravens are just gonna like let him go somewhere else. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. I I get it that it, everybody likes seeing it, but there's nothing to say. There's no news there. Um, it's 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 formulaic. Justin Tucker got his contract extension. Cool, cool. Now what? Now we sign Lamar Jackson. Um, well, yes, that would be that would be the important part. That's the one that actually matters. But I, I mean, I'm not. Great. I I don't know what else there is to say. I always like feel very weird whenever something like this happens because I get it. It is news because it occurred, but that's the only thing that makes it news. There's literally no take to have afterwards. Guy who's the best ever at what he does is going to keep doing it for your team. Yay! Hooray! Um, now someone might say, Hey, even if it's not an extraordinary amount of money when you have to pay your kicker real money, it's going to cost you somewhere else. I, I don't know if you've seen. He's Justin Tucker. He, he won you game last year in Detroit by himself. You pay that money. You figure, you figure those problems out when you can have the greatest kicker of all time. Then there was this weird bit that was going on last night. There's a longtime NFL writer named Shereen Williams who's written for um, – Pro Football Talk, and I believe the, I think it was the Morning News in Dallas. Um, I mean, she's a Hall of Fame voter. She was a very well-respected football writer who was put, trying to push back because the NFL on Twitter shared, you know, Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker of all time. She said, he'll have to make some kicks in the postseason that lead to Super Bowls and win Super Bowls to surpass Adam Venetieri. But yes, he's in the conversation. So, I I'm not trying to embarrass this this lady. Like I, I, she is a respected NFL writer. The fact that she doesn't know that Justin Tucker made kicks that led the Ravens to winning a Super Bowl is is quite odd. I don't know if it's just like her memory is foggy or something, or like if she specifically doesn't think it counts unless you made a kick in the last 30 seconds of a Super Bowl. In which case, there are guys not named Adam Vinatieri who have done that that I don't think. Anyone would consider the greatest kicker of all time. It's just a very weird. I, I, I assume that like she just had a fog go over her brain that she doesn't remember the fact that Justin Tucker was a rookie in 2012, which kind of made it all the more amazing that like when they needed a kick in double overtime yeah. in the freezing cold in Denver in order to beat the best team in football that year. Oh. He did it. A rookie from Texas comes in. Yeah, I mean, that makes it even more odd, I guess, <laughs> given where she's based out of. Um, I, I, and, then, like, she, she doubled down on it, though, after everybody kept calling her. And, like, this is, this is the problem is that sometimes it's okay to just say, hey, I screwed up. I still think Adam Vinatieri is a hell of a kicker, and I'm not sure that it's – like, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, Adam Vinatieri made a lot of clutch kicks. I'm not sure that it's a slam dunk to me that Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time, right? Like, you can just say that. But you have to acknowledge the part where, like, hey, I screwed up here. I completely forgot about what happened in 2012. I, my, It happens to all of us. It's so easy to just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I screwed up. I made a mistake. I, I, for, I forget about things constantly. My brain barely works. It happens to all of us. We all make mistakes. But the thing where we try to double down on it, he follow, she follows it up, but somebody points out, like, he, uh, uh, somebody else who's a, a football writer named Marcus Mosher, uh, he already surpassed Vinatieri, and I'm not sure it's close, to which she follows up, what's his signature kick? He's 14 of 18 in the postseason, not even 80%. His misses have all been 40 or longer, nonetheless. 
And again, those of us that know, know that those numbers are skewed by that insane game that occurred in Buffalo in which the ball couldn't move. It's one of the most insane weather games we've ever seen in the history of football. But that said, what's his signature kick? Well, maybe the greatest kick in the history of football. (laughs) Definitely the longest kick in the history of football. What's his signature kick? It's not even like it was like at the end of like halftime. Like you're going to halftime. Literally with a game. It wasn't even a game that you could have gone to overtime and won anyway. It was win or lose on his foot. Um and this is the other problem, too. And I, I mean there's no disrespect to Adam Vinatieri, who did make big kicks, but we can't pretend like these kicks were 55-yarders that he made in Super Bowls. Like, it's a very weird bit. I just don't know what happened here, and I don't. I know I should just ignore it, but she's a respected writer, and I just would say it's okay to say, hey, I might have screwed this one up. You, don't ha- you can still have the opinion, hey, I think Adam Vinatieri was really good, too. I don't know. I would lean far closer to Marcus Mosier that objectively, not even like here in Baltimore because he's here, objectively all of the numbers would say there is no debate any longer. We know who the greatest kicker of all time is. There's no there's no room. Adam Vinatieri was a damn good one who also deserves to be in the Hall of Fame if we're letting kickers be in the Hall of Fame. And we are because Morton Anderson got into the Hall of Fame. So if we're letting Morton Anderson and clearly Adam Vinatieri is worthy of it. But I mean, talk to anyone. James Lofton thinks that Justin Tucker should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean... James Lofton wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he played a real position. No offense. I (laughs) want to make that abundantly clear. Just a really weird hill to die on. Like, just a very strange hill to die on. To instead just say, hey, I I, I might have screwed that one up. I'm sorry. That first tweet, I might have screwed that one up. And to keep trying to double down on it. It's so weird. Very weird bit. All right, spin the wheel. All right. All right, what we land? Tyler Linderbaum oh. next on the hit list. Tyler Linderbaum. So oh, we don't say hit list. That's that's scary yeah, now. Yeah. Especially talking about this topic. So we brought up the report yesterday from Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo that it was a reoccurrence of a Liz Frank injury. And then John Harbaugh goes to the podium and is like, he's doing his best Lee Corso impression. He's like, not so fast, my friend. I guess the Ravens um, are just going to do that to wrap up for it this season. Whenever he yeah, says I mean, right? well, in fairness, <laughs> look, J.K. Dobbins was yeah. back on the practice field yesterday. I guess we could have put that in the, the on the wheel, too. Mm-hmm. But yes, J.K. Dobbins is back. It seems abundantly clear he's going to be ready to go for week one of the NFL season. I mean, barring a setback, of course, right. we do have to say that. But we're a month out. We're we're literally a month and two days away from there being a football game, and he's back on the practice field. It seems like J.K. Dobbins is probably going to be good to go for Week One. Um, and so you know what, we we should apologize to him and probably to God too. <laughs> All right, should also apologize to God. John Harbaugh says that's not true. <laughs> There's a ligament, but it's not that ligament. Um, you know, he continues to think it's a couple of weeks for, for Tyler Linderbaum. Clearly, there's a big difference in whether the guy could be ready to go for, for week one. I guess the only question would be, if he continues to be sidelined, is there some world in which even if he could be back for week one, you don't want to put him out there for week one just because you're not sure exactly how ready he is 
and exactly how comfortable he is with Lamar Jackson, that you want him to have a certain amount of work with Lamar Jackson to make sure it doesn't end up being a disaster when it's on the football field. I guess that would become the only question if it's only going to be another couple of weeks. There's still so much sort of weird gray area here. Again, I keep going back to this. Ian Rappaport doesn't make stuff up. Now, that doesn't mean, as I always say, there isn't room. It might very well be that with J.K. Dobbins, Ian Rappaport had heard from somebody, hey, we're not sure. We're just not sure. And that might very well be exactly what the Ravens were feeling at the time. So when J.K. Dobbins showed up and looked great and was hell-bent, then they got their answer. Okay, now we're sure. But at the time, which was before camp began, their answer just might have been, we're not sure. And that was all that Ian Rappaport reported. Um, it would be weird for him to report Liz Frank mm-hmm. if it's definitely not Liz Frank. Like, that's very odd. Could it be that someone that he got information from within the organization just simply kind of had that wrong, like knew it was a foot, and so kind of said it was a Liz Frank? And it, I, It's very weird in there. I... I also am reminded, and my buddy Ken Zalis is very good at reminding me of this, the Ravens are not always the most upfront and most truthful when it comes to injury things. So even what John Harbaugh says at a podium, there's only so much that I can take from that. I'm going to have to just say it's something that's up in the air until we know. And we don't like having things up in the air. We like to have comfort in things, and particularly with Ronnie Stanley being up in the air at the same time, right? Like the idea that 40% of your offensive line is completely up in the air as the season you know, is approaching, that ain't a good feeling. But a reminder, we are still, as I just said, a month and two days away from any games being played that actually matter. So I'm going to choose not to be panicked about it. We can revisit this in after the final preseason game see if Tyler Linderbaum has gotten back on a practice field by that point. If he has, then you're probably good to go for him in week one. If he hasn't, then, you know, obviously it becomes more concerning then. Spin the wheel. All right, what do we land on? Roquan Smith has requested a trade. And as always the case, whenever a player that we have heard of is attached to the trade market, the first thing that everybody does is say, well, the Ravens should go get him. I understand. And don't get me wrong, I think Roquan Smith is a damn good football. I remember how badly I wanted Roquan Smith uh, when he was in the draft that year. I was, oh, I was heartbroken when uh, it became clear that he was not going to last to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Roquan Smith is a monster. Roquan Smith is a game changer. Roquan Smith is... I mean, like, he ain't Ray Lewis, but he's that... Like, I always said, the difficulty about drafting an inside linebacker so high in the draft is they've got to be a wrecker. They can't just be a good football player. C.J. Mosley was a good football player. But when we think about C.J. Mosley in Baltimore, we were kind of disappointed by it because we remember he wasn't as good as they needed him to be against the Pat. We remember his weaknesses. And because there's only so much you can do as an inside linebacker, You've got to do, you have to make game-changing plays in order to stand out as someone who is worthy of being selected with a top 20 type of pick in the NFL draft. I like Patrick Queen. I think Patrick Queen last year showed some some serious signs of 
developing into the player the Ravens wanted him to be when they selected him. I think there was a lot of positives, particularly after he moved positions from Patrick Queen. I'm not telling you there's no world in which I would trade for Roquan Smith. I love Roquan Smith. Does it make sense for this franchise right now? No, probably not. Probably not. The cost, even if the Bears are willing to entertain, just because someone requests a trade doesn't mean that the team has to trade them. Although I get it. Normally when these things happen, they lead to breaks. Not always. Aaron Rodgers, we had put on every team in football. As it turns out, he's still a Packer. Um, But normally when these things happen, I get it. They kind of tend to lead to a break between the player and the team. So I understand why we think that Roquan Smith requesting a trade will lead to him being dealt. Will he? I, we don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I love Roquan Smith. I love him as a football player. I just think he is a monster, a wrecker. But I, I, don't, I don't see there being a price that's worth being paid by the Ravens as far as draft pick compensation is concerned and then the price that you'd have to pay in order to sign Roquan right. Smith on top of it. I, I just don't see it being I, – I can say that's the type of thing when a wide receiver becomes available. I say, yeah, because the Ravens have desperately needed wide receivers. I do still trust their ability to find inside linebackers that can play maybe not at a Roquan Smith level, but at a high enough level at a position that isn't the most important position on the football field. I'd love to have a game changer there, but I think you can get by with players who are good football players. I think you can survive that way. Um, and the Ravens in their history have done an, a really good job of finding good fo- Obviously, they've, they've also found you know, the, the greatest of all time, um, arguably. I mean, I'm, I don't want to piss off Shereen Williams. Um, arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah, I know ESPN recently uh, named him the greatest of all time. Um, but they've also found really serviceable players as well, undrafted, you know, the guys off the scrap heap. L.J. Fort a couple years ago. Josh Bynes. Josh Bynes again. Josh Bynes again. Um, so I I sort of trust that they can right. they can get by at the position. And I and I again I like the trajectory that Patrick Queen was on as he uh, made the switch. So yeah, I just don't see it. I just don't see. I mean, it what's the price? Smith. Likely. Uh, I mean, they're going to ask for a first. Of course, they're going to ask for. I mean, yeah. they're ask for, I mean, they're gonna ask I for mean, yeah. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Spin the wheel. <laughs> Okay, very good. Um, So, uh, kind of a, I don't know how much of a story it is, because I don't know how much people really care, but the word over the last 24 hours is that ESPN is going to be completely out of the Big Ten um, moving forward, and that instead, the Big Ten package is going to be split up by Fox... NBC and CBS, which will get CBS back into college football as they're about to lose the SEC entirely, which is a, a, a pretty big story, obviously. Like in, in, in college football world, CBS and the SEC have been synonymous. The biggest game every week is on CBS. Uh, I believe this is the final year for that. I think this is the final year for the SEC on CBS, if I remember correctly. And then it transitions completely to ESPN. Um, I, in a weird way, I think it's more impactful for basketball than it is for football because the truth is we're going to find college football games wherever they are, whether they're on Fox, FS1, NBC, CBS. And I, 
I'm still trying to do the math on this. It looks like maybe the biggest, like the first choice of games each week will belong to Fox for the noon window. And then the second choice of games would be NBC getting a primetime game. So the other weird part about this is that it looks like CBS is going to go from having the top SEC matchup of the week every week to the third best Big Ten game of the week in their one TV window at 3.30 in the afternoon. So I, I, don't, I don't know. There might be more that we learn about that, that like Fox gets every other week they get the big – we're going to learn more about how that works. It would be very odd for CBS to go all in on the third best big, like the every week. Now, uh, CBS Saturday college football, Maryland and Iowa. Like, it just seems odd to me. Nebraska and Indiana. Uh, sure. And I get that adding USC obviously will help yeah. with that because it will create more big games. Like, you'll be guaranteed that you'll get one of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC in, in your big TV windows every week as you move forward and the other interesting part is that NBC getting involved but the NBC idea being that they want to have the biggest Saturday night game and then the biggest Sunday night game in the NFL you wonder if that means that there's movement related to Notre Dame right that like if NBC's dipping their toes into the Big Ten waters could Notre Dame be part of that conversation too so all of these things are very interesting all of these things are, are quite compelling um, we have to see how it all shakes out. I think the bigger deal is, though, if ESPN's getting out of the Big Ten altogether for basketball reasons, I guess that means the games will all be on Fox Sports 1, Big Ten Network, and CBS Sports Network? I mean, the truth yeah. is, there's very at this point, you, you get all of those channels. We're going to get college football in USA. I guess it's possible. I think the no. I think the NBC thing is very specific. They're doing one game. It's okay. a primetime game yeah. on NBC on Saturday night. And I don't think they have anything else. I know like they had the Ryder Cup. So when they had the Ryder Cup, they would have to bump um, Notre Dame to to USA from time to time, something like that, or Peacock. Um, I, I don't know. Although, by the way, that's worth pointing out. It might be that that NBC getting involved for college basketball reasons. It might be that they're yeah. saying we're going to put some of the basketball games on Peacock only. Um, so we'll have to see how that unfolds. It is interesting to me, for sure. It's interesting to me, but I just don't know all the details just yet because it's only come out in the last 24 hours. And one more time, spin the wheel. Oh, hold on, wheel got stuck. Yuck. All right, Serena Williams is going to retire from tennis after the U.S. Open. And... The only way, the only thing I can say about it is, I am. Everybody knows I am the biggest Serena Williams fan on the planet. I love, I, I adore Serena Williams. Thirty of the happiest seconds of my life were getting to to say hello to Serena Williams um, when I was at Wimbledon in two thousand ten or eleven. No, twelve. Maybe it was twelve. I don't remember what year it was. Now it's been that long. Um, but thank you, Bryant McKinney, because he made that possible for me. Must have been. Maybe it was after the Ravens won the Super Bowl. So maybe it was thirteen. No, because I think I was already engaged. When, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Moral of the story is I adore Serena Williams. There's two things worth saying. Um, there's no debate about who the greatest player in the history of women's tennis is. There's The only debate would be who's the greatest female athlete of all time, and I don't think there's much of an argument there either. I mean, I think Serena Williams long since surpassed that. I know it, it, it and I, I haven't been able to read her entire piece in Vogue yet, um, and I will read it. I know this has to be difficult because... It was kind of clear that she wanted to win a slam after becoming a mother. Famously, the last slam she won was when she was pregnant with her daughter. Um, so I know 
that she wanted to win a slam after becoming a mother, and that had to be tough for her to make the decision definitively that she would do this even if it means she doesn't accomplish winning a slam as a mom. Um, the, the thing from the outside perspective, a lot's been made about the fact that she she wanted one more slam would have tied her with Margaret Court for the most all time. But understand, that's not a real record. She has the real record. 22 was the real number. Margaret Court's number predates open tournaments. It would be like if if I you know had got you know Griffin John Colson Carson Weekly together and and said well we're going to call this the the Baltimore Open and I won it for 5 years because I'm the only one of us that plays tennis and then in 5 years they made the thing a grand slam and real players played in it and I said I was a five-time winner of the event and I'm not trying to say that say the Margaret Court wasn't a very good tennis player it's just it wasn't anything like this those weren't real tournaments those were essentially invitationals. That's not a real number. We, we, we gotta, when we talk about this, we've got to be capable of saying that. The real number was 22 with Steffi Graf, and she surpassed that number. Serena Williams has the most Grand Slams of all time. The other thing, we wanted her to break because Margaret Court is a garbage human. Because Margaret Court is a worthless, awful toad of a human, a vile human. So we badly wanted Serena Williams to break it because it would be it would be great for that number to just not exist anymore, for us to have more reason to never have to bring up Margaret Court's name because she sucks. That's not going to happen. She's not going to win the U.S. Open either. Let me, I'll, I'll just go ahead and let you know that. Serena Williams is not going to win the U.S. Open. It would be God. I mean, it would be magical, but it's not going to happen. Um, we have been very fortunate and the impact that Serena specifically has had on women's sports as a whole because and it's something I tell you all the time there is no sport in which men and women are more on even footing than tennis they play in the same tournaments there is no sport that exists so the fact that she elevated even further has had a major impact on how we viewed women's sports in the last 20 plus years we have been very fortunate to be able to watch this dominant athlete play at the highest level for as long as she has um as a tennis fan the sport will be less without serena williams around there's no getting around that um what a joy what an amazing career what an impact she has had on the sport of tennis and uh, look forward to seeing her play in new york in a couple of weeks one more time. All right, we spun the wheel. We're good. That's it. Let's go ahead and do tidbit now. Ryan Ripkin's going to join us in just a couple of minutes, um, and then we'll squeeze in tubular as we can. But let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by Glory Days Grill. The opener, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. It is spectacular. You need to try it, and it might not be there forever. That's just the way that it goes. So what you need to do is you need to get to Glory Days Grill right now. You need to go to glorydaysgrill.com in order to get your order in. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. All right. So given that the uh, the Orioles rebuild, it's officially over pretty much. I mean, they're they're in the thick of this wild card race. We're in August. I think it's I think it's safe to say we're pretty much over. They hit four bombs yesterday as well, um, home runs. Uh, so that got me thinking about who, uh, you know, during that rebuild, during the dark ages, who was hitting the home runs for the Orioles. So I want to know from 2018 to 2021 
who were the Orioles' leaders in home runs? Uh, I want to know every single guy that hit at least 20 bombs. How many of them are there? there we was, might, there, not, there we was might only, not have time for this. There was, only 12. Have, there was only 12. 12. You can do it. Davis. There you go, Chris Davis. Uh, 28. Mancini. Yes, Trey leads all 80. 80 home runs in that three-year span. Um, through, wait, so four-year. What, year, what four were the three years? years? You're saying? 2018. The 2021? Through 2021. Yeah. So Mullins, so obvi- obviously. Yes. Cedric Mullins, 37 in that span. Uh, I want to say VR, oddly. Uh, and you would be right, 32 for Jonathan VR. Which, like you don't think of him as a home mm-hmm. run hitter, but yeah. he actually had a, an odd amount of pop in his bat. It makes no sense. Um, oh god, now it gets really dark because I'm <laughs> trying to just remember, like remembering who was actually here for multiple years. Severino, Severino, not here for multiple years. Was he just here for one year? Wait, was he there? No, he was not. No, he's not here. Oh, there he is. Oh yeah, 29, 29 for Severino. This is the difficult part. I yeah. genuinely don't. I don't remember. even know. I'm looking at it. and I don't even know. <laughs> Uh, well, that's not great. Um, <laughs> if you don't, I certainly don't. Um, Ruiz. Yes. Rio Ruiz. 24. Renato Nunez. There you go. Tied for second with 50. 50 for Renato Nunez. I want to say Iglesias was only one year, though, right? Yeah, Iglesias was so he only 2020. I think he was only 2020. So, no, he is yeah. not on there. Uh, Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes. 30. 30 even for Austin Hayes in that four year span. Hans or Alberto? That's a good guess, uh, but he had 15, so okay. not quite right, why don't there. You, why don't you grab Ryan real quick, and I'll, I'll try to think about this uh, for another second. I'm trying to come up with the uh, Orioles that hit the most home runs. I've, I, I've, oh, God. I'm thinking Mark Trumbo stuck around post-2018, I, but I'm thinking that. I'm also thinking that maybe I'm, I'm – all right, all right, hang on a second. All right, we got, we got four names left, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna go rapid fire as much as I can. Then we'll talk to Ryan Ripken. N- Mark Trumbo stuck around, correct? So, uh, sorry, uh, Trumbo was 17, so he was just in. All right, just tell me who the other four were. Then uh, we got Machado hit 24 during because that's 20, a, you know what I was about to say that yeah. I'm not thinking of the guys that were still here in 2018. We had uh, there's two guys that are currently on the team that you should get. Okay, two guys currently on the and team. Then uh, we we just gotta go. We got another outfielder. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, we need okay. just tell DJ Stort twenty six. Okay, DJ Stort twenty six. Um, I told you Machado, and then Santander fifty. Right, and Mount yeah. Castle is fourth yes. with thirty. Yeah, that's. I mean, those are the ones that obviously I should have gotten earlier on the list because I was just not focusing on that. I was focusing on past Orioles. All right, very good. Um. Have always enjoyed our conversations with our next guest over the years. Uh, he has decided it's time to move on and do something else with his life after uh, he's been grinding his way through the Orioles system for a few years, among other stops. Um, he is the pride of Gilman, and I think I still owe him a Papa Shop basketball challenge at some point. He is Ryan Ripkin, and he's with us now here on GCR. Ryan, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Of course. Thanks for having me, Glenn. And you are right, actually, that the uh, the shots that we were talking about, yeah. I think that was 2019. Yeah. Um, I think the so pandemic... I think I forgot about that. I think the pandemic really screwed things up. And I think... I it, Like, it struck me when I saw that you announced you were retired. I'm like, damn it. I, I messed this up. We got to make that happen. So this is a promise. Now that we're through it, and now that you got a little bit more time on your hands... <laughs> Um, we're going to make, th- we're going to make that happen. All right. You versus me, Papa shot basketball. It's coming. All right. We're going to have some fun with it. 
Um, Absolutely. Great to hear from you, dude. Just take me through. Um, I, I know it's got to be a tough thing to do. This is a, a dream that you have. It's what you've done for a long time. What goes into making a decision like this, particularly, I imagine, tougher? It, maybe it might have been easier had you at least gotten a call up and you'd put the uniform on and you could say you made it. Not having gotten there, how much more difficult did it make this decision? Well, you know, it, it, it's a culmination of, you know, so many different aspects of, of your career and your life. You know, I dedicated so much time to chasing my dream of being a professional baseball player, which I accomplished, but then making it to the major leagues. So it is uh, sad that, you know, it, it, the goal wasn't, the second goal wasn't met. But uh, the journey, the process, the relationships I made along the ways, I you know, I'm so grateful for, and, uh, you know, again, I wish it would have ended differently, but I realized that the, that the, you know, it was the time to move on. And, and the exciting thing now is, is that, you know, outside of baseball, there's a whole, whole big world. So I'm excited to explore and see where the journey takes me. You used a couple of words, uh, exhausted and drained. Um, did, did you get to a point in your career where it wasn't fun anymore? It became a job, something along those lines. Um, sorry, you sorry, cut out a second. So you're saying if it was a job? If, if like, I, I just it, I saw two words when you put out the statement. They used words that exhausted and drained. Was yeah. was did you get to a point where baseball just wasn't a joy anymore playing where it became more of a job at some point? No, you know, so actually mainly the, the exhaustion of it is when you finally you know, for me it was building up telling people that I was gonna retire and oh. and after I po- after <laughs> okay. after I posted it no but after I posted it, um the the drain or exhaustion of this is over. You know, it's, it's, you know, I've, I kept training, you know, while I was waiting to see if I would get picked up this year. And, and I'd spent the last eight to nine, 10 years just devoting so much time into my craft and work. And I honestly think when it was over, when I finally made the decision, I felt this, you know, this, um, it was like this weight was off me, but I was like, man, you know, I, um, this whole process was, was a long one, um, and and one that um, definitely and, and honestly, I think while I was exhausted too, I was pretty emotional when I had to I had to read it back out loud to my girlfriend to say like, hey, did, does this sound okay? Mm. And mm. Um, you had a lot of you had a lot of feelings just because, like I was saying, that the the beauty of anything you do in life, what I'm trying to what I'm experiencing, is one if you're passionate about something that you love. And then the other part is, is that the people that you get to experience those passions with, and I met a lot of great people. So it was just, it, it brought back a wave of emotions, um, you know, during that day. Ryan, it sounds like, as you describe it, it's important because what you're, it, what it feels like you're trying to make clear is that you don't feel like you wasted time pursuing this dream, that, that doing this was truly valuable for you and and meant the world playing baseball for as long as you did. Yeah, you know, I anything in life is an experience, and I think I'm starting to understand that as I've gotten older. Yeah, good and bad, and but for me in this, no, I have no regret because you know when you're a kid, if you can say I'm, I, I can go and play professional baseball, 
for a living. Yes, we know that, that the, the lifestyle in the minor leagues is not as glamorous and you're grinding to, uh, to reach higher levels and get to the majors. But I learned so much about myself and I had so many great experiences that really is at the time that, that you're able to do this. Cause this isn't something I can do when I'm older. You, know, you take the opportunity as it comes and, and all of those experiences, the good and the bad, uh, really taught me a lot of valuable lessons, you know, from being around people and seeing different parts of the country. But also it taught me a lot of things about myself that I think are going to be really beneficial to me, you know, moving forward. Is Ryan Ripkin. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, is there any thought at all about, like, trying to go make a G League team now? Like, do you think at all about picking a basketball back up? Uh, or is this definitely no matter what the end of the athletic career as far as being a player? Well, I'll tell you this. I love to be competitive. I, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so I have to finish up a little bit of school, finish up my degree, and, and uh, so taking care of that now. And I always thought in the back of my mind, like, should I just try to go and if I have a year of eligibility and go try to play somewhere for fun? Uh, know, that, that oh, was, that would you know, be cool. Basketball such a passion. Yeah, that's such a passion. Uh, I don't know if it's in the cards, but it's always in the back of my head. But what I will say, now that uh, the COVID years are behind, uh, basketball is in my DNA, and, and I'm going to play that uh, and try to play at a competitive level, even if it's just for fun, for as long as my body can hold up. That's cool. That's cool. Of course, famously, everybody knows uh, your dad hosted the most competitive basketball games in the history of humanity over the years. Legendarily competitive. I imagine... That, that no matter what you're doing, you're going to continue to do that. And, and it's when, when we go see you play, it's going to be no matter where it is, it matters, is what you're saying. You're going to treat each game you play like it's, the, it's game seven of the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it, that, it's, it's, in, uh, it's in my blood that way. Right. I grew up where everything <laughs> felt like a competition, and that's how I want to uh, continue that. And honestly, you know, that's just me. You understand that there's some moments that are just being for fun, but I always think when, when you have something on the line or you're really competing, the whole experience is even better. So I, uh, if you're around me, I am going to want to uh, try to beat you. Oh, man. That, is, that is the goal. Even if it's just for fun, um, that's just that's just how uh, – just how I grew up. So I'm not like that with a lot of this. Is uh, clearly where you and I are different, Ryan. But I, admittedly, and this is why the Papa Shot thing is going to be so great. I had my seven year old. We, we took a cruise this summer, and I swear yeah. to God, I took him into the arcade on the cruise ship, and there was a Papa Shot machine in there, and I was sweating. <laughs> like I was. I don't know what it is. I was sweating. I was working through it. So I am very much looking forward to you with that mentality against. Uh, I this will be a lot of fun. This is going to be fun. All right, let's let's talk about um, the things that you want to do now. You have this opportunity. You mentioned finishing up school. Um, what else jumps out at you uh, over the last ten years? Is is things are, are there the things around baseball? Or is media something? I know you you've you've you know jumped in headfirst to social media, and um, I know a lot of it's about tequila. But I've seen a lot of other things that you've done <laughs> on social media. Like, what have you said? Hey, this is where maybe I do want to point. Um, for a direction for me moving forward. You know, it's funny about the tequila is I don't think I've really posted too much about it, but a lot of people have reached out to me about it, and uh, it, it's fun. It, it's a little, it's a little thing that uh, another talking point. So I think 
I I will never close the door on getting back into anything with baseball. But for right now, since that's all I've known in my life, I want to explore every you know a lot of different avenues outside of of the realm of baseball. So media is something I'm interested in. I grew up and was never very um, public. I was very private as far as you know expressing myself. And and now I've gotten to a point where you know I just like everyone else i love talking about sports and and um i'm an avid fan and i mean obviously like i played baseball i love football and basketball and you know i love just having conversations and connecting with people so getting into the media aspect for me has been um you know dipping my toe in the water and and we'll see uh we'll see how that continues to unfold that's cool. That's cool. It's a great opportunity, obviously, at this point for you to explore those avenues. Uh, you know, I, the other thing too is you have this really unique perspective of having been in the Orioles system for a few years and and kind of seeing how things have changed. And you know, obviously, there's a ton of excitement right now with where the Orioles are. Can, can you speak to seeing how things have changed in recent years and and what things are like now? And how this has worked, how the Orioles have managed to do this and get to the point where the guys that are at the major leagues, despite the fact that the expectations were so little, are, are sitting here five games uh, over 500 in a game out of a playoff spot. Well, you know, what a, what a tremendous time for, for Orioles fans. Where this, why I say that especially is that the, the expectations for this year. You know, when anything exceeds your expectations, it's exciting. Now, as far as for the organization and things that have changed, they went, you know, when, when Mike Elias came in and they made the full decision to restart and rebuild and they wanted to build it from the ground up, they were committed to it. And I think that is the biggest component of this whole process is the commitment to the plan. And it, it's going to have to, it's like a leap of faith at the same time because you want it to work, but you have your reservations and your doubts. But what's been great so far is from the players that were already in the system that found their role and, and guys even at like the major league level, you know, guys that had been there for a little bit from the, from the previous front office, the Cedric Mullins, the Austin Hayes, the Ryan Mountcastles coming into their own and, and then also having some good talent in the minor leagues and new, the new draft guys that came in and, and are starting to figure out. So it's just this, um, combination and then on top of it i think the most important thing for this season for the orioles is after having so many years of losing and feeling that you were embarrassed and finding more ways to lose than win they're finding ways to win games and i and i told people around once you learn how to do that it doesn't matter if you made you traded away trey mancini and jorge hmm. lopez hmm. you under you understand that you're going to compete the rest of the year and whether or not you make the playoffs or not is irrelevant because you know how to win and you believe that you can win every game. And that is so important for this year as the Orioles finish, but also the confidence going into next year. I feel like there's this term that we use, Ryan. It's that you feel like you have the right to win. And like in, a, in an odd way, I felt that about this team, particularly with as many comebacks they've had, that like, that, that nah, we don't need to just, you know, sort of, ball up and go back and, hey, we'll get them tomorrow. Like, no, we have the right to win every game that we played. And maybe that's just some absurd, you know, dumb Papa Shot basketball player thing. You know, like, I, I, I'm, I clearly am not at that level. 
But is there something to be said for feeling as though you have the right to win every game that you play? Well, and that's the thing is once you learn it, once it becomes contagious. And so when the Orioles went on, on the winning streak and we're getting back close to 500, the, the belief was is that, hey, we, you know, why, why, why not us? You know, what, what, we're here. We can win these games. And I think the, the thing that makes it even more important is that the Orioles were finding ways to come back in games. And so now later in the season, no matter what the deficit is, if you fall behind early, you have the belief that you can come back and win the game because you did it. It's one thing to understand, like, well, this is what you have to do to get back into a game. It's another thing to actually do it. The Orioles have done that time and time again. So now there's really no situation that they're in that doesn't surprise them, and they don't believe that they can find a way to to pull it out. No doubt. No doubt. Um, You got to spend some time with Adley Rutschman. Uh, This guy might somehow have been underhyped, right? (laughs) Like, he's the most hyped player in the history of baseball, and he's so good that he somehow might have been underhyped. It's insane watching the player he's becoming right in front of our eyes. Can you describe what makes him so special? Obviously, it's a level of God-given talent. There's no question about that. But it just seems like there's something else about this young man that, that drives his greatness. Well, you know, he, he's a high-character guy. He has a great makeup as far as he works hard, he communicates with, with his teammates and coaches, and he wants to continue to get better. And when you have the talent that he has and you have that combination, it's, it's a, a tremendous thing to see. I think the thing that uh, has been the most impressive for me with him is seeing the effect it's having on the pitching staff. You know, t- t- you know, take take aside the actual offensive talent that he has. When you come to the major leagues, you you need to have your catcher be kind of the backbone and be the anchor for your pitching staff. And I don't think it's a coincidence at all that as dominant that the you know the bullpen has been, and even the starting rotation has gotten into rhythm to see the Orioles pitching numbers continue to increase since Adley's comes up, I think speaks volume to him as even a catcher. Mm. So all of that is uh, exciting. And I mean, we can, I don't know the record off the top of my head, but I can, I know, I know that since he came up, oh. um, the, the, uh, the pitching numbers, they continued to gain confidence and obviously the team continues to win games. No, there's no doubt. And and he's got like the second fastest pop time getting the ball out in in all of baseball. Like I mean it's just it's just so much that's insane about this dude. All right. Um got a bright so, future. So now here's the important question, Ryan. How do you feel about the Ravens going into this season? Yeah, you know, how about that that it's uh I keep counting the day until uh opening weekend when they open up against the Jets. I'm excited. You know, I think everyone should be excited. The division's tough, but if you look at what the Ravens endured last year and the success they had until Lamar Jackson went down, you got to feel better with a with a with a healthy team. Which is let's just all hope and pray that the team can come out of the preseason as healthy as possible. Yeah, and um, and then I then if if that happens, I think you can feel really good and. Um, you know, honestly, it's a tough schedule. A lot of exciting teams in the AFC. But first and foremost, if the Ravens can take care and win the division games, um, you know, that'll be win the division first and see what happens. But you got to be excited. It's, it's a fun time to be a 
to be a Ravens fan and an Orioles fan. It's uh, I, by the way, this is about as good of an August as we've had. Um, you know, I, I mean, to, th- th- that stretch between twelve and sixteen was pretty good too. But uh, yes, it <laughs> yeah. has been like manna for heaven for guys like me that have to come in and talk about it for a couple hours every day. Um, dude, I, you know, I, first of all, I'm going to make the Papa shot thing happen. That's a promise. And we're going to be in touch. Good. Um, I know it's at Ryan Ripkin on Twitter and then Instagram. It's just the same thing, right? At Ryan Ripkin. Yep. Yep. They're both, both the same, just Ryan Ripkin. And, um, I try to be active. I'm working on it. So I, I love to interact with people. So if, uh, you want to come and ask me a question and I, I try to answer some, I'd, I'd love to, uh, to hear more people's perspectives and, and let me let me just do this uh, i'm gonna editorialize i want you to know how much i appreciate what a what a great dude you've been during your baseball career and that no matter how many of us idiots just wanted to ask you questions about growing up the son of your father and all that stuff you put up with all of it and you were happy to do it and when you were exceeding when you were when you were struggling whatever it was you you always made time and that's not that that goes a long way man for us understanding uh, someone's character and what they're all about so I, I appreciate that i'm happy for you that you're at peace as you make this decision and i, I promise we're going to be talking more as uh, we move forward thank you for doing this this morning man and congratulations uh, i really appreciate the kind words uh and i look forward to I look forward to our contest, and I look forward to the many more conversations no we're going to have. So thank you so much for having me, Glenn. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you, man. Ryan Ripkin checking in with us here on GCR. Uh, happy for him as, you know, when you get to a point where you can comfortably say, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to do something else, and uh, you can hear his excitement about, um, you know, what's ahead for him uh, in the coming years. Really like Ryan a lot. All right, we're going to make Tubular online only um, the Orioles play tonight. That's the only thing that matters. Hard Knocks is on tonight. Oh, uh, who, I don't even remember who it is. Detroit Lions. Oh, that's... Sure. Can't wait. Uh, uh, is this the first one tonight? It is the first one tonight. Okay, episode yeah. one of Hard Knocks. And uh, Alec Manoa and Kyle Bradish, 7 o'clock on Masson for the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Everything else you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to Ryan Ripkin. Thanks also to uh, Jim Miller. And thanks to Jason Reed. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the <coughs> tab at glennclarkradio.com. We got anything tomorrow? Uh, Drew Forster. Great. Great. We'll try to do better than that. That'll be our plan. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know what happened to Jamie Kaiser. You're supposed to join us today. I'll figure that out. I'll figure that out. We'll get on that. All right. Um, thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Casas Inn, Great Eights Memorabilia, Visit Howard County, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Ryan. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. If you're with us on uh, video, do give us like one minute. We'll be right back. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Um, oh, I didn't. Uh, Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. I got to say that part. Simply the Bets is coming up next.
Welcome into Simply the Bets. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Glenn Clark, Griffin Bass with you. Apologies running a couple minutes late today. We had to move some things around. But we're going to get you ready for the week that is in sports betting. If there's one rule that you know in sports betting, it's bet the Ravens to win their preseason football games because it's all they ever do. We'll talk about that, obviously. The baseball slate coming up here on Simply the Bets. A little bit later on, we will head to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Our buddy Leon Twyman is the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook. We will check in with him. But before we do that, we got to head out to Vegas. That's where we find our friend Aaron Oster from VEASAN, who is with us now here on Simply the Bets. What's going on, pal? How are you? I'm doing well, just, you know, gearing up for football season. Can you smell it, Glenn? I am. I am. uh, By the way, I'm assuming that you did. Did you include uh, the Ravens in any of your five L's for the week? Oh, you know it. Oh, you did? Okay. All right. Then I will. Then I'll save that. I'll save that thought. I will save that thought because I want it. I know what you're going to say. I'll wait and we'll bring it up then. Um, (laughs) Mostly futures bets for you last week. The only one that you took, uh, you you missed. So uh, you bet you went. You you hit zero last week. What a wretched, awful week it was for you, as you had Corbin Burns over eight and a half strikeouts as your love. Tough to lose a love bet, man. That is a tough thing to lose. Yeah, it's tough, but you know what? Football's here. Baseball, I'm, I'm putting down, even though I do have a baseball for my love again. But, you know, I'm looking to the future. We look to the future. I understand. By the, by the way, can, can I tell you about, um, so I, I made a bet last night that involved Adley Rutschman's total bases, and it was okay. over one and a half was the bet that I made. And mm-hmm. I, I know, like I know, because I've done this for a very long time, that walks don't count as total bases, right? Correct. But last night, like an idiot... I just forgot that. So Adley Rudgman gets his second walk of the game, and I'm like, hell yeah! (laughs) I mean, I audibly make a noise that, like, my wife is like, what? Like, she's yelling down from upstairs. She's like, what the hell happened? I'm like, sorry, baby. Sorry. Just excited because I won my bet. And then I go, I punch it up. I'm like, ah, let's see my money. Like, where's my money? Where is it? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, it's that scene from a, a Christmas story. Only I didn't say fudge. Like <laughs> I, I am a very stupid person, and I completely forgot that uh, total bases do not are only for hits. Only for hits. Yeah. So that, only for hits. That was a loser for your boy last night. All right, uh, let's get into five L's for sports betting this week. Of course, Aaron gives us a local, a long-term, a long shot, a loser, and a lovable bet for the week. We begin locally, and uh, is this where we find your Baltimore Ravens bets? Yes, but let's get into this conversation right here when it comes to betting preseason football. And uh, I want to preface it with this. It's a little bit crazy to bet preseason. Yes, a you, you bit. have to you have to be a little deranged in order to participate in this exercise. Absolutely, I, I highly recommend if you are betting preseason for for whatever reason, maybe you just feel like it because oh my god, it's football and I got to place a bet down. Maybe I, I recommend lowering your units a little bit for for preseason. If you're normally doing a fifty dollar bet, maybe only do a twenty five dollar bet, something like that, because it's preseason, anything can happen. And when it comes down to it, you're betting on people who very likely won't be in the league next month. Correct. However, having said that, there, there is, are angles to play. There is one sure thing. There is one there was, sure thing. Be, before I get to that, you know, there are some other angles. You know, All right. something like 
look, we saw it in the Hall of Fame game uh, last week. If there's a backup quarterback battle and you can pretty much guarantee that a, a solid NFL player is going to be at quarterback the entire game, like we saw with the Raiders, it's a pretty good uh, angle to play in preseason. Just looking at those competitions, how figuring dare, by out. The way, how dare you disparage Jake Lutton, by the way? What? How dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you? The greatness of Jake Lutton being disparaged by the likes of you. What have you accomplished in your NFL career exactly? Not betting on Jake Lutton? Oh, that's probably smart. All right. <laughs> uh, by the way, Griffin, too, got in a bet on the Raiders last week. So, I don't know. But he, you know, he was, you know, what, you know what Griffin was playing, though? He was playing the fact that the Raiders were 3-0 and all time in the Hall of Fame game. That was legitimately oh, and, and make that form. probably the, uh, the, the Josh McDaniels uh, right. Pro, uh, Canton, homecoming. Ohio hometown. Yeah, exactly. You, you have that angle, too. So, if you, so, as I said, you can find angles in these games, and if you can, Angles are always good to play. Money is money. It doesn't matter if you're betting on the Super Bowl or the preseason. A win's a win. But, you know, maybe just take it a little lower. That being said, there is one angle that has always come through for us over the past seven years. The Baltimore Ravens have won 20 straight preseason games. That's what they, they do. Have covered, they have covered every preseason game they have played since 2015 now this goes now wait a second Aaron, because this goes back to something that we have to talk about in betting right uh norm mcdonald wrote about this in his book recently or not he didn't write it in his book oh god uh clearly he didn't write it recently i was reading it recently i finally (laughs) i finally uh patrick stevens gave me his copy of norm mcdonald's book so i could read it um and oftentimes we make this comparison that someone is due right like it's that's what we say if if you flip uh, a coin 50 times and it's heads all 50 times, then what are the odds on the next one? It's still 50-50, right? Like, 50/50. it's still 50-50 on the, the next gambler, one. Yep, it's called the gambler's fallacy there. People talk about something being due. Well, they're due to lose one, right? Like, that's something that we say. The Ravens are due to lose one. But is that real or not? Is it possible they'll lose? Sure. It's always possible they'll lose. But that being said, like it's gotten to a point where part of this does factor into the trends. Harbaugh tries to win these games. Har- you know, a lot of coaches don't. They just see it. Harbaugh, you know, we may not play all of his starters and stuff, but he's actu- actively coaching and trying to win into the fourth quarter. You don't see situations where he's just, you know, hey, go out there, throw the ball around, go three and out, punt. He's calling his plays, or not necessarily calling his plays, but he's trying to win. We've seen this. He clearly wants to win. And so, well, no, nothing's a guarantee. It's something that I am going to bet blindly until it stops happening. Um, you know, sometimes you go the other way. Well, yes, somebody's do. Sometimes it's just, well, this is something that's happening, and I'm going to catch that ride until it proves otherwise. And that's the case here. I, I, and it's three and a half. So I'm taking the Ravens by three and a half. I can, uh, obviously, I completely agree with that decision making. And the other thing too, and I, this goes into my sort of generic thoughts about preseason football. It does seem like when the team is at home, there is some thought to maybe put a player in for a little bit longer. That maybe would like that there might be a little bit more involved just because, hey, we're making people pay money for these tickets. Like mm-hmm. we should at least do something to give them a bit of entertainment value, which guarantees nothing, right? Like, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it just feels like that maybe it inspires something a bit more when it comes to these preseason football games. 
Absolutely. I haven't seen the numbers to see if that backs it up, but the logic is absolutely sound there. All right. Next one. Uh, let's go long shot. Give me an underdog that you love this week. Oh, we're going to long shot here. Yeah, so, I, um, I, I mix one, these up sometimes. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I was coming in, and last night I was going to talk about uh, Romeo Dobbs and the Rookie of the Year, but mm. that's not really a long shot anymore. That in a week has gone from about 100 to 1 to 20 to 1. What? So, yeah, it's all of the juices on Green Bay Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs. Wow. So not even really a long shot anymore, so I'm going to move past that one. But just something to note that everybody with all of the highlight I'm, reels are I'm, talking about Romeo Dobbs. I want to make this very clear. I'm still not moving him ahead of Sky Moore for me. Like, I'm still not doing it. I get it, but I'm not putting him ahead of Sky yeah. Moore on my list. And, and nor should you necessarily. He's still, uh, Sky Moore still 10 to 1, Romeo Dobbs only 20 to 1. But... I will go with a real long shot here, and then I'm looking at the Heisman Trophy, and I want to talk about uh, Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's currently 50-1 to to win the Heisman. He had 1,600 yards receiving last year, coming off of a Rose Bowl where he put up 347 yards against Utah. And the reason I particularly like him is Ohio State's first game. In week one, they faced Notre Dame, 7.30. It'll have all the focus of week one. Uh, Everyone's going to watch it. And Notre Dame has a dreadful secondary. If on week one, on one of the national championship favorites, Ohio State and Alabama are two, you see Jackson Smith and Jigba put up 250 yards, three touchdowns in week one, well, he vaults right into the spotlight on the Heisman race. And you know when it comes to these high-profile teams, if you can jump out early, if you can get that spotlight, that means people will start talking about you. No one else is really – I'm not – no one going to have obviously there's alabama texas the week but there's very few in september really high profile games so if you can get that buzz going that means for the next two months until we really get into conference play really get into it all you're going to be hearing is can jackson smith and jigbo win the heisman can he put up these numbers can he you know do what devon Smith did and be a wide receiver to win it you're going to get this buzz and buzz equals eventually looking at it and figuring out if you can actually win it so at right. 50 to 1 with this, I really like that. So I like that what you're saying is I don't I don't like the chances of a non-quarterback winning the Heisman. I'm just you know I, I, I get it as you point out it did happen with Devontae Smith. Obviously that was a very weird year with COVID and you know like I, I I have no idea what to make of that. But in general I don't like the chances. I certainly understand that what you're saying is it's an odds play, right? That like right now where there uh, where this where Smith and Jacobs' odds are will not be where his yeah. odds are should he have a monster start. It's very difficult for me to fathom a year in which Njigba, Smith and Jigba has a huge season and C.J. Stroud doesn't win the Heisman Trophy, though. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, that's... And, and, But see, this, this is the one specific way because if, if he's the star of that week one game and not uh, C.J. Stroud, if, he's, <sighs> you know, if, if Stroud throws for 400 and Smith and Jigba gets 250 of it, um, I, that's where it comes. I in. get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I just feel like with the the hype in the preseason already being on Stroud, it, like it's almost like he has to lose it somehow, and it's hard for me sure. to imagine him losing it. And Smith, you know what I mean? Like that's the tricky part. Yep. It, would, it would almost to me have to involve one hundred. It would have to involve an injury, I think, in order for that to be the case. But I get it. I get that it's an odds play. All right, uh, yep. to your long term, give me the futures bet that you like this week. Uh, so I was going around, I wanted to give something a little different, so I was kind of digging around in the season props market. And this one's, this, the, the whole market for season-long props in the NFL are, is interesting because it really skews to the under. Uh, someone recently, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but uh, one of the, the 
fantasy and gambling analyst, uh, did a study and showed that in, in a large sampling, I believe it was 240 player props last year, 66% of them went to the under. And the reasoning is obvious. You have injuries, you have injuries on players, uh, other players on the team, which leads to, to the uh, loss of the offense. Uh, you have a general inflation of what the line should be. Because everyone, when they're looking at this, it's much easier to identify a play you like versus a play you don't like. Okay. Um, so a lot of people playing the over. So I was looking specifically, okay, what under can I play here? And, and one kind of jumped out to me, and it's uh, David Montgomery. His rushing yards are set at 825.5, which admittedly is a little bit lower than I expected. I thought that would be a little bit closer to 900. But um, last year, he had 849 rushing yards in 13 games played. And when you dive into his analytics, he, he looks even worse. He had a big nosedive in pretty much every category, including broken tackles, which had been his calling card uh, for the first two seasons. And on top of that, Khalil Herbert looked really, really good yeah, last that's year. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and there's a new regime, obviously, no ties to Montgomery. And you also have the possibility of the Bears' offense being terrible and defenses just completely stacking the box. So I just don't see much from Montgomery, which kind of pains me because I really like David Montgomery coming out of the draft. So I'm, I'm going to fade him, and I'm going to take the under of uh, 825 and a half rushing yards. I like the bet. They also, you know, there's the likelihood they fall behind in a lot of games, and they're not able mm-hmm. to run the ball. I mean, I, 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 I like. I get that the number is low. It is a low number, um, especially in a 17 game season. But boy, I. I the the reasoning is sound. I do like that bet. I'm with you on that one. All right, uh, Aaron Oster is with us from Vison out in Vegas, giving us his five L's. So now we need a loser. We need uh, the one that you say, no matter what you do, do anything at all, stand on your head for six hours, lock yourself in your room to prevent yourself from getting to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland in order to make this bet. Uh, if you find yourself going to the betting window, going to the kiosk, going to the, you know, whatever you want to do, and uh, trying to place a positive bet on the New England Patriots right now, you need to lock yourself away. Okay. Because they are a disaster right now in training camp. And, And it's beyond players, it's beyond anything, which, by the way, you know, they still have a pretty duress uh, talent right now, I feel like. They don't have anybody who you really would say, oh, that's the guy who's going to get it out. But it's the coaching. It's, you look at yes, the reports from yesterday where they can't run plays. They're having false starts. They're having you know illegal procedures. Mac Jones, apparently, I, I, I've heard the term seeing ghosts out there because they can't get the play calls in. They're installing a new run scheme, which isn't working well and is not playing to the strength of the players. And so right now, I can't give you any reasons why you should play the over eight and a half wins i can't give you any reasons why you should play them to make the playoffs at plus 160 i can't give you a reason to for them to win the afc east that being said obviously look it, it's belichick we've seen him pull rabbits out of his hat before he could pull off a miracle he could get everything settled down with one deft move right before the season starts but right now as which is why i'm not putting like the under eight and a half in my long-term right. play um, but right now, I, I think you're crazy if you're playing anything positive on the so, Patriots So right you're now. saying don't bet them to hit the over eight and a half wins and definitely don't yeah. bet them to win the division, definitely don't bet them to, you know, which I don't think Make a lot of people, playoffs. I don't think a lot of people are going to bet them to win the division anyway because, you know, Josh, no, Josh but, Allen but didn't main, perish. Main, yes, mainly the, but I have heard people be like, oh, look, eight and a half wins. 
or you yeah, know yeah, nine wins, maybe right. they can sneak into the playoffs. Right. Don't play. Right. This. All right. So don't don't. What do you say? The loser bets are over eight and a half wins and making the playoffs for the New England Patriots. Yeah. Avoid. Yeah, and that's plus one sixty for them to make the playoffs. And then the one that you love, the one that you say, don't lock yourself in your room. Get to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland and demand. Walk up to the first person that you see and throw money at them and say, this is the bet I want to make is... Um, I did have to give something that you could uh, cash in quickly without a long-term wait. And uh, I'm looking at the Phillies-Marlins game today. Phillies have been one of the hottest teams in baseball coming out of the All-Star break, while the Marlins' bats have absolutely disappeared. Marlins are 27th since the break in batting average, last in weighted uh, OBA, and last in weighted runs created. Plus, meanwhile, the Phillies absolutely match lefties with their top five in batting average and OPS, and just so happens that the Marlins are sending a lefty to the mound uh, in Braxton Garrett today. I think there are actually a few ways you could play this game, and you can find a first five uh, run line of a half run. I kind of like that. Right now, FanDuel is offering the first five run line as a one and a half, so don't like that quite as much. So I will uh, take this on the full game run line. Phillies uh, minus one and a half at minus 122. All right. All right. I'm not going to argue with that whatsoever. Very good. Those are the bets for this week. Remind everybody what's going on at VEASAN. Well, right now, our college football guide, we have full breakdowns of every single team in Division One football, as well as conference plays, win total plays, uh, to uh, plays to make the college football playoff, everything you could possibly want as a college football gambler. You can find that on decent.com, and in a few short weeks, our NFL guide will be coming out as well. Awesome. Aaron Oster, at the A. Oster on Twitter. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, all right? Hope everyone has their best. It's Aaron Oster checking in from VEASAN out in Vegas on Simply the Bets. When we come back in, we will head down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Leon Twyman, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, will join us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Sorry, no, it's Simply the Bets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man. the champ drew mcintyre oh, thank you for having me the great ron simmons Damn. keith lee appreciate you guys having me man bill goldberg my pleasure charlotte thank you so much for having me mick foley is with us this is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yo. Le champion. Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stan the fan here.
here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sorovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle. Take it away, boys. All right, back in here on Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Again, preseason football this week, as we were talking about with Aaron just a minute ago. The Ravens, you're not surprised, favored to win. And again, have covered 20 straight times in the preseason. Whatever you think that means is whatever you think that means. Some of you might say... Yeah, they're, you know, something, I don't know what that might mean. I have no clue. But they are uh, minus 170 on the money line. They are minus three and a half on the spread against the Titans on Thursday night. And you can bet that right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And let's head there where our friend Leon Twyman, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, is standing by. Leon, good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, Leon, can you hear me all right? Yep, I can hear Awesome, you. man. Great to hear from you. Uh, I So I was joking with Ryan last week. I'm guessing you guys probably had a crowd for the silly Hall of Fame game. Am I right to say that people are so excited about betting on football that you even had people out there to watch Jake Lutton take on Jarrett Stidham last Thursday night? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, they're They're just wanting any type of football action right now. Ah, it's insane. So Thursday night, the Ravens play their first preseason game. And as I was just talking about, the Ravens in the preseason, about as close to a sure thing as you can get in football. Um, You guys, like, there are sorts of all kinds of bets that are available. One of the things that Griffin and I were noticing, and I don't know if this is something that's going to continue, we saw last week they were like, drive results were popping up as a potential bet that you can make. Is that something that's coming for the FanDuel Sportsbook that you can bet like when a drive begins on what the result of the drive is going to be? Uh, Yes, so I do know that we, I believe we did have that last season. Um, So that definitely should be something that we're doing this season as well. That's awesome. Whole, Especially as you've been talking about, do do we know, are we, um, how much closer are we to the bet pads? Uh, it looks like we should be launching in two weeks from today. Oh, so let me get this straight. I can come in there for a football game. I get my bet pad. 
And I can just sit there. I don't have to get up. I don't have to wait in line. I don't have to do any of those things. Every time a drive begins during the course of a football game, I can bet what's going to happen on that drive immediately right there as I'm sitting on my keister devouring food in the FanDuel Sportsbook. That is correct. You don't even have to move from your seat. Yo. (laughs) Hey, come on, dude. This is insane. That's amazing. I am so bloody excited about that. What a cool are, are you are there other things that that might be coming as far as types of bets that are available? I like I know we're getting to a place where like we're, we're going to be so hyper focused that like you might at some point in the future be able to bet the result of every play that happens in the course of a game. I know we're not there yet, but are you seeing other like new types of bets that are popping up whether it's football or other sports? That you're like, holy crap. I mean, like, there really are just never ending amounts of things that are available as far as in in game betting are concerned. Yeah, there there are a lot of things that slowly pop up. And, you know, it's it's crazy because there's so many markets to bet on, as you know. There's just hundreds hundreds of selections. So it's really hard sometimes to to really like keep a an eye on those. Sometimes even I get surprised. I'll have a guest come up to me and say, Hey man, can you help me find this market? And I'm scratching my head like, uh, do we have that? <laughs> and I go out, I'm looking on the kiosk, I'm looking on the kiosk and I'm like, wow, we do have that. <laughs> wow, wow. So man. there's going to be a lot there. But I can tell you firsthand, the uh, the drives, you know, that's that's one of my favorite things to bet. Um, you know, I can't bet with FanDuel because I work with FanDuel. Right. But, you know, when I utilize other, um, you know, sports books i that's one thing that i go for just because it's it's like instant money no i mean it's perfect that's exactly it's this is what betters crave is immediate action give me action as quickly as i particularly when we've lost something particularly when the last one didn't go so well for us and we're trying to get our money back about as quickly as possible um uh leon so it's been a couple weeks since we chatted with you give me a big winner and maybe a big heartbreak that you've seen in the last couple of weeks Ah, big winner. So we actually, this is actually interesting too. So the next time you come in here, you'll see this. So on our promo board, we are now putting up big winners. Oh, nice. If we have a big winner, we will, we scan these tickets, we send it off to FanDuel and they actually upload this on our promo board for everyone to see. So um, we just had a big winner. It was a $20 parlay, um, all baseball. So everything was plus money on it, seven legs. Um, and I will say even the Orioles were on there for the win. Wow. Uh, plus on there. Uh, but $20 to win um, $24,000. Nice. nice. That was a $20 bet. By the way, that's ballsy going with seven plus money bets on a $20 parlay, right? And I'm, I'm going to guess yeah. that's probably somebody. And I, whenever these stories come up, I'm like, this has to be someone who plays a lot of parlays, right? Like, this has to be someone who dips their toe in the water on a bunch of different things. Because if you just walked in and you picked seven plus money outcomes and put them on a parlay, and that's the only bet you made all night, you are the single luckiest human being that's ever lived, like in the history of the world, if that's the case. Yeah. So I got to believe it's somebody who makes a lot of parlay bets. Now, I will tell you as well, um, you know, the max payout of that ticket was 31000 So there was a push somewhere, and they still got lucky and wow. still got 24 Wow. Wow. That is remarkable. It is weird how despite like the fact that the Orioles and I get it tonight because Manoa's on the mound for the Blue Jays, so I actually understand the odds tonight. But I brought this up a couple times, like when they were in Texas last week. The Rangers stink. 
And despite the fact that the Orioles have, have had the best record in the American League since June, I mean, even better than the Yankees, who are, you know, are the second best team in baseball, it still seems like, you know, not just FanDuel, like everyone has still been reluctant to, to buy into what it is the Orioles are doing. The odds have still seemed to be against the Orioles most nights, despite how well they've played. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. An, it's an opportunity, perhaps, that exists for Orioles fans to maybe be making, sure. making a little bit of money, if you believe. I would not do it tonight, though. I'm just telling you straight up. <laughs> Kyle Bradish versus Alec Manoa, I would not be betting. I Trust me, I believe in the Orioles. I think that they're doing something special. But I would choose not to bet um, uh, them with a plus one and a half this evening. Uh, Leon Twyman, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Did you did you have one that maybe caused some heartbreak? Was there one that you could think of more recently that like somebody hit like five of seven legs or something like that that was heartbreaking? Oh yeah, that happens quite frequently. Um, we actually had a guy. He comes up all the time. He's a he's a very uh, very nice guy. Uh, he's here pretty much every single day, and he came up with it was all baseball parlay, of course, and. Um, it was 12 legs, and he hit 10 of the 12 legs. Oh, God. God. Do you, uh, do you remember what type of, type of money was at stake? Uh, he had 100 bucks on it. So, so it would have been a ridiculous payout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a, a, tw- a 12-leg pie, I mean, that might have been like six figures, right? Like, that might have been a... Oh. It'd have been up there for sure. Oh my! <laughs> oh, that is heartbreaking. And then, what about uh, what's been the most random one that you've seen come in recently? What's been the one that you've seen where you're like, really, like that? I'm taking a ticket on this. What's the one that's been the most bizarre? Uh, let's go with uh, five hundred dollars on Vikings to win the Super Bowl. What? <laughs> what? At forty to one. Forty to one. <laughs> Look, man, I. I, you know what? Okay, so I'm sure you get this a lot. I understand that sometimes if you're the fan of a team, you just want to ha- you just want to have that ticket every year, right? Like every year, you want to have a ticket for your team to win the Super Bowl because you're rooting for it anyway, right? Like, and in fact, this was brought up to me recently. Like, and I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me. We actually did a segment about this. Oh, this is this is good. I'll run this by you. If you were an Orioles fan who put a ticket in for the Orioles to win the World Series before the season began, right? It, it, I don't remember what it was, but it was astronomical odds. It was like 1,000 to 1. It was something along those lines. And you put in a $10 ticket on that just because you're a fan. I would think that at some point you could sell that ticket and make not a lot of profit. Like I don't think somebody yet is going to give you a ton of money for it, but you could probably sell that $10 ticket for, what, a 100 bucks, something like that? I think somebody would maybe yeah. be willing to buy it at this point. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you're, you're a fan. Do you do it or do you let it ride? What say you, Leon? So if it's me, I'm letting it ride. That's the, to me, I think that's the answer. Like until the number is so – like if somebody comes up to me and says, all right, I'll give you $1,000 for that ticket. Okay, I'm probably gonna let you have that ticket at that point, right? <laughs> like, I don't think the Orioles are winning the World Series, and I got a chance to walk out with a thousand dollars. But a hundred bucks when it was a ten dollar throwaway ticket, when it was just something I was doing for fun, why the hell not, man? Let the fun continue, right? Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm certain that I'm not cashing, and I'm certain the Orioles aren't winning the World Series. But am I? <laughs> like, 
Am I certain of that? I don't know. <laughs> let's uh, let's let it live. Let's let let's let it roll for a little while. Let's have some fun with it. I am uh, I am in agreement. Um, what else? What else is going on in your world? What else is going on down at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland? So we, uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, the old bowling alley. Yes, that's right. You you guys are moving some of the machines over there, right? So we we made that move. We have thirteen um, of our of our uh, sixty one kiosks located inside that now. So it's really nice, nice carpet, nice little area in there. Has uh, four TVs. So um, that's actually a really nice addition that we have going on. And then also the SNS wall that is made out of baseballs, that actually is coming down right now. They started construction today. It's going to take a couple of weeks, but that's going to be a large LED screen like what we have on our uh, video wall. Nice. And that's going to be where we're going to post all of our odds at. Nice. I like that. And, and by the way, keep in mind, one of the cool things is that prevents some of like the bunching that would happen over at the kiosk machines when there would be a long line. You guys can spread them out a little bit more so people can access them more freely. And then I would imagine that when you add the bet pads too, like you're going to get to a point where there, there almost might not be lines. With 61 self-service kiosks, the betting windows, and these bet pads – like I feel like we're not going to be that far away from the the place where they're even for the busiest games there really won't be that much in the way of lines. You know it's it's crazy. I'm expecting long lines. As you know, we are number one in the state of Maryland, so everyone wants to come here. So you know, even with 61 kiosks, 10 windows, and 20 bet pads, I feel like they're they're going to want more. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right about that. That number will probably have, to, especially as we get into football season. Jeez, we get into football season. I keep trying to tell people, Leon, it's the place to be for your fantasy drafts. That that first Saturday of college football season. Oh my God, be in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Do your fantasy draft there because you can watch and bet on all the college football games that are happening and have that delicious food from Sports and Social events at SportsSocialMD.com is the email address to let them know you want to come. And then I think that it's like making plans for football season, right? Like, where are you going to be for Ravens games? Where are you going to be for Monday night games? For thir- Thursday night games, which are no longer technically on TV, that you can only watch. I mean, I get it. Most people have smart TVs now, but I, I live in a rural area where we don't have uh, reliable internet. Just just be in the FanDuel Sportsbook instead to watch Thursday night games and bet on them. It seems like a simple idea, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Get that happen. Make that happen. All right, Leon. Appreciate. Yep. Appreciate you, brother. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you, as always, my friends. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Leon Twyman, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel Maryland. Okay, we wind down for this week's episode of Simply the Bets. Let's get our tidbit of the week, Griffin. What did you find for us? All right. I have a couple. As you. Be- Oh, hello. As usual. Okay. Um. All right, here we go. I'm going to pull it up here. All right, so had a fun one from Sunday. Uh, this is because this is one of my this is my favorite baseball bet. So someone did a nine-leg parlay on no-run first innings for Sunday's games. So it's not even like they were, like, like you always assume people are just, you know, throwing, they do a ton of parlays. I mean, this guy just picked nine games. Like, there were 15 games on Sunday. Okay. And he picked the nine that, you know, he thought wouldn't have a run scored in the first inning, and he hit. On all nine. Okay. Um, so it was a 340 to 1 parlay, and he put $50 on it, paid out 17000 Jeez. Jeez. No Again, run first in. I have to assume that somebody who's making a lot of I can't imagine that's just somebody who crafted that at home and walked in and was like, ah, this is my way. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I imagine it is somebody that's looking at it. They're like, you know, starting pitcher. This it was Jesus right. Lazardo was pitching for the Marlins. And, you know, he doesn't let up runs in the first inning. That's, I don't know. I don't know. That's how, that's how I choose to look at it because uh, that is how I try to think. I try to out, outsmart everything. Okay. Know? And if I'm gonna put together nine like no run first inning, I'm gonna be like, okay, yeah. Man, that's how I'm gonna do it. Look, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a thought, right? It's a hell of a thought to say, let's just see, let's just run it out there. I get it. It's it's plausible that something like that could happen, but all uh, it, it just ta- all it takes is one to ruin your day. Had a fun uh, Hall of Fame game uh, bet. Uh, someone live bet the Jags on Thursday. Uh, um, they took the Jags late in the fourth quarter at plus uh, twenty three and a half after the Raiders were up twenty went up twenty seven to three, and they got that at plus odds too. So plus two eighty five for the Jags to cover plus twenty three and a half. They were current. They were losing by twenty four at the time. Um, the Jags did end up scoring a touchdown at the end there, so the game ended twenty-seven to eleven, and they made they turned two hundred fifty dollars into a grand. Uh, okay, I mean, <laughs> okay, I mean, if you're willing to make two hundred fifty dollars, bet two hundred fifty dollars. There's a lot of things because like four to one odds are not all that astronomical. I mean, yeah. I, I get that you don't see them before a game starts. You don't see four to one odds. It was a slow week in betting uh, that I that I noticed. I uh, couldn't okay. find a ton. Uh, and finally, uh, the one I have, people are already placing their NBA MVP bets. Okay. So if you had to put one down, who would you be picking for your NBA MVP? If I had to put a bet down, Giannis. Okay. That's a yeah. good pick. Good pick. Um, not what this guy went with. He okay. decided to put uh he decided to put two hundred dollars down on I mean, I guess I mean Luca would be the like it'd be it'd be okay. Yeah, there's smart there there's several options. I would go would, that, I would go Giannis. I'm trying to think of what the odds must be for next year. Hang on a second. I'll, I'll Hang on. Can quick. you can you pull up the odds? Mm-hmm. Pull up what the odds for next year's NBA MVP are, if if they're available, which I don't, I, I assume they are, but I don't know that. I don't think they have to be. Um, yeah, here, okay, I have them. You have them. Okay. Yes. I'm gonna say Luke is the favorite. He is. He is plus four sixty. Okay. I'm gonna say Giannis is next. He is third. Third. That means second is either Jokic or Embiid. Those guys are two and four. Jokic. Embiid is second. Okay, plus five fifty. Giannis six fifty and then Jokic plus a thousand. Um so those would all be really good bets. Uh, you know, if you want to put two hundred dollars down on somebody okay, to so win the saying, MVP. So somebody, somebody did not it wasn't one of these no, one of those guys. Someone put two hundred dollars down on Rudy Gobert at seven hundred fifty to one. So if he does somehow pull that off, it would be a hundred fifty thousand wow. dollar payout. I mean, it would be a <laughs> hell of a bet to have made. Maybe it's somebody. Maybe it. Maybe it's Mrs. Gobert who made <laughs> that bet. I don't know. Mama Gobert. I mean, who put that bet in? That is an odd, odd bet to be making. That is yes, I. I, uh, I have to agree. I was gonna say there's probably room in there to like put in a Steph Curry bet and like make some money because yeah. you know he is Steph Curry after all. <laughs> I'm not sure if people are familiar. Wow, Zion's on there. Tyler Hero, Cade Cunningham, they have better odds than Gobert. I mean, I get it. John Everybody, Wall, John like, Wall. I mean, because the MVP is it's such a scoring thing. Like right. Rudy Gobert does a lot of really good things. Rudy Gobert is a hell of a player. He's never gonna win. I mean, I don't but even see him here on FanDuel, so I'm not. The MVP has to be a um, Rudy Gobert. I'm trying to think of I think like what do you think Rudy Gobert? I mean, maybe if he rebounds, what do you think? 30, is, he gets thirty rebounds a game. I mean, it would take something like that. What do you think he averaged scoring wise a season? Maybe ago? Probably like fourteen. Yeah, points? it was right. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. It was fifteen point six okay. was the number. Which again, like he had a damn good season: fifteen point six points, fourteen point seven rebounds per game. That's a, a hell of a player doing oh, yeah. something like 15, that. Fifteen, fifteen guy. Every but night. MVP uniquely has always been a scorer. Like a real scorer, even when a big, even when Jokic wins it, what did right. Jokic? Yeah. 
he probably had what like 25 26 probably in the neighborhood of 30 yeah and, uh, 27 Jokic was um at 27.1 exactly okay. right like you got to be a scorer right, yeah. in order to win you got to be able to drop 30 30 on any given night exactly right all right that's it that is it that's all stuff. i have today Thank you. Thank you to Aaron. Thank you to Leon. Um, and we, we will not be... Wait, will we back this week? Did we do... No, we did Weekend at Bookies last Thursday. So not this week. No. The following Thursday for Weekend at Bookies. We'll be back next Tuesday for the next Simply the Bets. In the meantime, get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland for all of your betting needs. May the odds be ever in your favor.